Hi. Before we begin this episode, just a quick collection of content warnings because we have a lot this month. There is sexism, racism, and lengthy discussions about sexual assault and cheating. So if any of those things might bother you, beware. It is possible. We should be good because I'm not going to be touching my USB or my mic, but the the cable is not working so well. So if I, I've, I'm suddenly gone, I just need to reattach it and it, it's, it takes like two seconds. Okay. But it could happen. I'm, I'm very glad we both have scuff mic setups. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that really adds to the vibe. Okay. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's fucking go. Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of I'd Like to Thank My Wife. I am Tycho, his co-host. I am E, Tycho's co-host. And today we'll be having a look at the 5th Academy Awards. Yes! Ooh. Yeah! Um, so the 5th Academy Awards were held uh, on November 18th, 1932 at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, uh, hosted by Conrad Nagel? Nagel? The eligibility period was between August 1st, 1931 and July 31st, 1932. So we're getting closer to the whole, like, just one whole year. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still I was a bit already, of a mess. I thought we were already there. So I, I was Googling. I always Google just the years. So I can add uh-huh. it to, like, my movie list of seen movies. I always add the years to that. And then it was 1932 and 1931 again. And I was like, we're doing this again. We're we're having... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, man, it's, it's, it's uh, you know... Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> there's a there's a few teeny tiny fun facts here. Probably my favorite, uh, and also just the quickest shortest fun fact is that uh, Walt Disney created a little animated film for oh. for this uh, for this one. Yeah, it was called Parade of the Award Nominees. It is the first Mickey Mouse cartoon ever produced in Technicolor. Oh, uh, let's so, go. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's pretty funky because it's the first Mickey Mouse short. His pants are green not red oh oh no yeah they they just that they recolored that when they actually started making them you know making actual cartoons in technicolor mm, I see, but in I this see. one he's wearing green sh- green shorts so the og mickey yeah uh, it features a parade of caricature nominees for best actor and best actress mm. um from the champ the guardsman the sin of madeline claudette jekyll and hyde and emma mm. so uh that's a, that's a funky little fact. Um, the awards were changed around a little bit again. Nothing too crazy. It's just that three were added, three mm-hmm. awards, which are still in today. It's the best short subject cartoon, best live action short subject comedy, and best live action short subject novelty. Okay, so um, shorts are a thing now. Yeah, shorts are a thing now. Okay, they've been cool. they've been messing with them a little bit since then, but this is the introduction. These okay. are the uh, yeah the shorts. Um, this was the, I think, first and only uh, Academy Awards in which there was a tie for Best Actor. Oh. Yes. A tie, okay. A tie for Best Actor. So what did they um, do? I, I'm not sure what, I think they just gave both of them the I award. I see, right. Okay, interesting. Yeah. 
There's another interesting fun fact about the Best Actor uh, Award, but I'm going to wait until we have revealed the winner for that. Right, yes. So keep that in mind. Uh, this is also the last ceremony to date in which no film won more than two Oscars. In which no film? Okay, okay. Wait, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Huh. The the absolute okay. maximum here is is two. Right. Okay. Yeah, because we had one year where that that was the only where year, everyone right? where got everyone... one Oscar. Yeah. Yes, and so this one, wow, that that's crazy. So after this, there's, there's always, always been a, been, a, something... been a movie after this that won more than two Oscars. Yeah. Damn, that's that's kind of crazy. Kind of which kind of makes sense because it, it it gets more and more sort of like. Uh, usual that the best, best picture, picture best, best director, director. Mm. and usually there's a best writing in there as well like a lot yeah. of that tends to overlap um it kind of makes sense but still to think that in the almost 100 years of the oscars it's only happened like twice oh yeah that's that's absolutely wow. crazy this is also the first of three oscar uh, oscar ceremonies in which two films which were not nominated for best picture mm-hmm. received more nominations than the winner oh okay Okay. Yeah, uh, one of these movies we watched. Okay. We didn't. We didn't watch both of them, uh, mm-hmm. but one of them I deemed significant Worthy. enough. <laughs> yeah. Check. So we're this gonna guessing game. This is our guessing. This is game this movies? is our guessing game. Okay. This, okay. Uh, so yeah, we'll get back to that in the end then. Yeah, we watched nine movies, uh, mm-hmm. eight of which were nominated for best picture, outstanding production in this year, yeah. uh, and one of which was. Not, in fact, nominated for Best Picture, but did receive more nominations than uh, the winner. Okay, I'm really curious. All right. I think that's pretty much everything I have on the awards Awards themselves. themselves. No, actually. Pause. Actually. 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 Pause, because (laughs) before we get into the movies, this was a significant year. Okay. Because in 1930, so about the time that the production of all of these movies started, is when the Motion Picture Production Code went into effect. Really? Yes. So are we talking Hays Code or not yet? We're talking Hays Code. Oh. Um, Yes, the Hays Code went into effect officially. It was adopted in 1930. Mm -hmm. But they didn't start really, like, rigidly enforcing it until 1934 okay essentially what happened is that in the 1920s hollywood had had a whole bunch of like really big scandals Uh, a lot of people felt that the film industry had always been morally questionable and a lot of political pressure was increasing Mm -hmm. by 1921 there was about a hundred different film censorship bills going on okay yeah by, by 1915, the Supreme Court of America had decided unanimously that free speech did not extend to motion pictures, mm-hmm. which means that after New York did it first, a whole bunch of states started introducing their own sort of censorship bills. And the issue is that, you know, things that are acceptable in New York are not acceptable in Virginia, are maybe right. half of those are acceptable in Kansas, but half of those are not. And when the Motion Picture uh, Association was facing this possibility of many states and cities adopting their own codes of censorship, they figured, okay, how about we just self-censor? How about we make sure that we have one consistent code that all these movies can stick to and we don't have to make, you know, 
different versions for different states because that is going to be a bitch of a like mm. project. So they uh, they formed a committee uh, to discuss film censorship. Uh, this committee was formed by uh, Will H. Hayes, Postmaster General. Um, he was a former head of the Republican National Committee, which, you know, that makes sense. Mm. And he was hired to rehabilitate Hollywood's image. So they decided to make a committee uh, involving Irving Talberg of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, Saul Wurzel of Fox, and E.H. Allen of Paramount. Mm -hmm. Um and they originally made this uh, this list called the Don'ts and Be Carefuls. Right. Which was 11 subjects best avoided entirely and 26 to be handled very carefully. And a lot of the, this was essentially what later turned into the code. The code would be way more detailed mm -hmm. and add a few more things. But this is essentially the main big thing of it. I'm going to quickly read it to you because it's a yeah. very interesting code. Yeah, please do. There's a few things in here. Yeah. It... <laughs> okay, okay, check. So first, there's the, the 11 things that are don'ts. Do, just do not do this. Um, pointed profanity by either title or lip. This includes the words God, Lord, Jesus, Christ, unless they be used reverently in connection with proper religious ceremonies. Hell, son of a bitch, damn, God, and every other profane and vulgar expression, however it may be spelled. Mm -hmm. okay. um, number two is any licentious or suggestive nudity, in fact or in silhouette, and any lecherous or licentious notice thereof by other characters in the picture. Mm -hmm. uh, number three is the illegal traffic in drugs. Number four is any inference of sex perversion. Pin in that, we're going to come back to that in a second. Uh -huh. um, five is white slavery. Oh no. Uh sex is sex there. Six is <laughs> miscegenation. In case you're not aware what miscegenation is, uh miscegenation is sexual relations or marriage between people who are considered to be members of different races. Oh no. Uh number seven is sex hygiene and vener venereal diseases. Uh number eight is scenes of actual childbirth in factor and silhouette. Number nine, which I think is a very reasonable one, actually, is children's sex organs. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number ten, right back to bullshit, uh, ridicule of the clergy. Eleven is willful offense to any nation, race, or creed. And be it further resolved that special care may be exercised in the manner in which the following subjects are treated uh, to the end that vulgarity and suggestion may be eliminated and good taste may be emphasized. So these are, like, the 26 things um, that are, you know, the be careful, the yeah. things to, to treat with. So number one is the use of the flag, capital F. <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, okay. So you don't need, you shouldn't use it in a bad way because I, I yeah. say usually they they love seeing the flag, but of course only yeah, like you know. A... Uh, number two is international relations. Uh, avoid picturizing in an unfavorable light another country's religion, history, institutions, prominent people, and citizenry. That make that's mm -hmm. I argue that's pretty all right. Uh, number three is arson. Number four is the use of firearms. Uh, number five is theft, robbery, safe cracking, and dynamiting of trains, mines, buildings, etc. Having in mind the effect which a too detailed description of these may have upon the moron. So essentially, they're like, you know, if these fucking morons look at these things and it's too detailed, they might try and do it themselves. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number six is brutality and possible gruesomeness. 
Seven is technique of committing murder by whatever method. Uh, number eight is methods of smuggling. Nine is third degree methods. Uh, Ten is actual hangings or electrocutions as legal punishment for crime. Eleven is sympathy for criminals. Twelve is attitude towards public characters and institutions. Thirteen is sedition. Do you know what that? That's a big no. word. Uh, it's overt conduct that leads towards rebellion against the established okay. order. So essentially, branding people up. Fourteen is apparent cruelty to children and animals. Fifteen is branding of people or animals. Sixteen is the sale of women or a woman selling her virtue. Mm-hmm. No prostitutes. Seventeen is rape or attempted rape. Eighteen is first night scenes. So okay, honeymoons yeah. and like. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nineteen is man and woman in bed together. Twenty oh. is deliberate seduction of girls. Twenty-one is the institution <laughs> of marriage. <laughs> yeah, deliberate seduction of girls is not allowed. And the institution of marriage also. Okay. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. Mm. They, they are allowed. But you got to be careful. Uh, number twenty-two is surgical operations. Number twenty-three is the use of drugs. Tw- number twenty-four is titles or scenes having to do with law enforcement or law enforcing officers. And my absolute favorite is the last one. Number twenty-five, excessive or lustful kissing, particularly <laughs> when one character or the other is a heavy. A heavy. A heavy. That sounds really bad. That sounds fat shamey. It's not. It means if one of them is a criminal. Ah, uh, okay. But wait, you said twenty-six. This was number twenty-five. I. Uh, it does say twenty-six, but I, there's only twenty-five here. So okay, I. Uh... So, the code was already applying to the movies we watched or no because a lot of these it was so the thing is that technically yes it was already applied but um, only in 1934 was it actually there was something done about it yeah the the, the issue is that they published the entire content of this code and then they got someone to enforce the code uh, two people actually jason joy and his successor james wingate who took over in 1933 i think mm-hmm But the issue is that they were both generally unenthusiastic and or entirely ineffective. I see. Yeah, because a lot of the movies we watched had definitely some of these things in it. Yeah, what this essentially boils down to is that it's one man, uh, originally Jason Joy, later James Wingate, who has to review 500 films a year with a very small staff and very little actual like power. Mm. Because the Hayes office also just did not have the authority to order studios to remove material from a film. They 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 worked by reasoning and pleading with them. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work. Only in 1934 did they have to actually obtain the certificate of approval before being released. Up until this, it was right. still in the end the studio's choice whether they were gonna, you know, follow it. I see. So what is um, why is 1932 or this this Academy Awards relevant for the Hayes Code? Uh, because this is when uh, movies were start, like the movies that went into production around 1930, mm-hmm. 1931 are the movies we're watching now. Um, and these are movies that are at least sort of attempting to yeah, stay closer exactly. to the okay. code. Um, yeah. And it's definitely noticeable in a few of these mm-hmm. where there's some stuff that, you know, in previous award ceremonies, the movies we watch for those, that would have like, they would have made it more graphic. Or yeah, for sure. There's a few things in here where I was like, oh, they've they've toned this down quite a bunch. And then yeah. I read that the Hays Code went into effect and I was like, oh, yeah, that counts. Yeah, I think definitely the don'ts aren't in there at all, probably. But there's definitely some tread carefullys that... Um, there's there's quite a few tre- yeah. tread carefullys, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's very interesting. 
Yeah, uh, there's there's another uh, interesting thing here, Ooh. which you might have noticed that actually uh, same-sex relationships are not in the Hays Code. True. Yeah. So you want to know why that is? Yeah. That's because they were de facto included because sex perversion is in there. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yes. So the code was essentially a set of general principles which prohibited a picture from, and I quote, lowering the moral standards of those who see it uh, so as to not wrongly influence a specific audience of views, including women, children, lower class, and those of susceptible minds. It called for depictions of the correct standards of life. Oh, God. Yes. So. Yeah, okay, we're in the 1930s, all right. Uh, We're in the the 1930s, all right. fucked up shit. Uh, I would say this year also, from the movies I watched, I think what I noticed a lot was sexism, which has always been the case in the previous years as well, but there were two or three movies this time that I could not could not stand for this reason i thought that a lot of them were a lot more feminist than usual really okay that's very interesting this is gonna be interesting okay um the thing with criminality in the Hays code is that all criminal action had to be punished and neither the crime nor the criminal could elicit sympathy from the audience or they must at least be aware that it's wrong usually to compensating moral value yeah the tiny little asterisk at the bottom of all this which you might have guessed just listening to this is that the entire document was written with Catholic undertones. And it stated very specifically that art must be handled carefully because it could be morally evil in its effects, and its deep moral significance was unquestionable. It was originally decided to keep the Catholic influence on the code secret, but obviously, you know, yeah, that's going to come out. Hmm. All right. Well, yeah, super interesting. I guess let's go see what the effect was on the movies. Heck yeah. There's a lot more very interesting stuff on this, but we're going to get there in, in later yeah. years when the code actually gets enforced. There's yeah. some there's some really weird shit going on with this code. I'm really um, interested because the code also lasted for like I think 30 years or something, right? It went it so it was followed up until like the 19 mid 1950s. Okay. Um, but then influence from foreign films sort of start kicking it out. I I see. I see. Okay, 20 20 years. Yes. Yeah, so let's get into our movies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we watched nine. So we watched nine. It's gonna it's gonna be a big year. Big um, year. And to start it all off, we watched Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Yeah. Yeah. This is a movie about a man, a doctor, Doctor Aerosmith, who. It's a, it's a it's sort of like it follows his life a little bit his career mm-hmm. as a doctor um, as he goes from being a small town you know cow doctor to running a really big plague vaccine experiment in Africa and it's yeah. uh yeah it's yeah it's all centered around the bubonic plague yeah. and um it kind of features the struggle he has choosing between his career as a doctor and wanting to help people and his marriage basically i'd say yeah and more more so i think on top of that not just his it's him choosing between having to help people as a doctor Mm -hmm. or advancing science and doing things that might not help people now but might help people in the future yeah Uh, sort of the the big choice is whether he's going to do an an experiment that uh allows him to test his Mm -hmm. vaccine by not curing 
half of the victims of the bubonic yeah. plague. Yes. Which is, yeah. I, I thought that part of the movie was really interesting. Like, the thoughts of, do we help people for the future, or do we help them right now by giving them the vaccine, and um, all of that stuff I thought was really interesting. Yeah, the I thought it was really where, fascinating. The part where it kind of fell apart for me was the whole marriage side of it, because I thought it was quite unnecessary um, to even have the wife there, but there's quite a lot of screen time going on um, for yeah, marrying her, and then her being unhappy that he's away, and then she well, dies. Um, to to an extent, I thought it was like they could have done without it. But I really liked the wife as a character. Hmm. I did originally. My notes here at the top it says a love story again, hmm. um, because they do the whole thing of like they meet and instantly they're in love. And even though they don't like each other again. <laughs> yeah, but I do think throughout the movie. I like her as a character. She is very much not a damsel in distress. She's a nurse. Mm -hmm. And even though she's not actively nursing for most of the movie, she does still have those skills and that knowledge. And it shows in pretty much everything she does, um, which I think is a very rare thing for the 1930s. Like the fact that at some point they go back to his lab and he's like, hey, help me with these things. And she mm -hmm. just, she does them. She knows what to do. That's you know it's baby steps because it's the 1930s but that's a very competent woman yes um, but there are <laughs> a lot of lines in here that are very sexist that made it kind oh, of like that's they mm -hmm. say some stuff that is like hmm mm -hmm. yeah that that i can't entirely disagree with i'm afraid um, um yeah so that's kind of what i took away from her and also just i don't know the, the story kind of portrays her as this thing that is holding Aerosmith back in the beginning because he he kind of it is kind of clear that he wants to be a professor but he's staying back and being a, a normal doctor for the people the, in the well, country because Oh this is really interesting because I fully read that differently. Oh really? I yeah, I read that cuz he very much does want to be a professor and then he goes to what what is it like Dakota or whatever mm -hmm. um and he sits there to to be like a and he's originally not super excited about that mm -hmm. and then as time goes on she very much is the person who is like why am i holding you here you could do mm -hmm. so much more and he's just like no no what what's the use of saving the world if i can't save these cows you know mm -hmm. like he's very excited to be a small town doctor until you know his his oh, research really? blows up that's so funny. For me, I, I the whole time I read it as him kind of wanting to be a professor but staying back in this village because that's where she lives and now he needs to be a husband for his wife until eventually she, she you know, convinces him and he just, his whole career with the plague starts as him, uh, yeah, saving cows. Yeah, no, but I, I really, because the, the, he even says to the to the doctor whose cows he, or the the farmer whose cows he saves, he's even like, oh, I, you know, you don't need to pay me for this. I I just, you know, mm. this was really interesting to me. I, oh, yeah, I had a good sure. time doing it. So yeah, that's really interesting that there was these two super different interpretations. Yeah, for real. But yeah, I think both of them could work for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I have written down, I've written down best wedding scene. Because it was them just being in, like, it was like, I now pronounce you husband and mm -hmm. wife. That'll be $2, please. And yeah. it's just them in the courthouse. It was great. Yeah. And I've written down one scene. He's just started out as this small town doctor. And he gets a phone call. Mm -hmm. And the parents are like, oh, my daughter has a sore throat. And he goes, a sore throat? I think she might have a life-threatening disease. <laughs> runs off. Doesn't get the address. Hangs up and runs off. Uh -huh. Straight to the, like, doctor's As they senses. do. Yeah. Goes in there, goes, yeah, 
she's dying. Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck, and she dies. from a sore throat, she dies. Yep. I mean, it is the 1930s, but the fact that that he could tell over the phone indeed was... Oh yeah, he was just like, a sore throat, your child is dying, I'll come over to confirm. And it was just like, yeah, I don't know, that was really fucking funny to Mm -hmm. me. Yeah, no, I, um, I also, oh, there was this part, there are multiple parts that I, I, that (laughs) didn't sit right with me, but Uh this one was more kind of frustrating because this is towards the end well yeah towards the end um Aerosmith has to leave to Africa to test out the vaccine and his wife stays behind because she is a woman and she can't um like like he's like yeah no that is no place for a woman it's dangerous so she stays behind but he has been testing out the vaccine with the plague and whatnot at home and he has like this tubes with plague in it and yeah he tells her to throw it away but the fact that first of all he's just doing that at home second of all there is nothing to con like it, it they are he's not he's not he's not doing this at home he has these research tubes which are closed because he's taken them from his lab they are to not africa closed, though they are not closed at all the, the one of them isn't, which is a which fatal is error. A, a very <laughs> fatal error, error, because then she goes to f- before she throws them away, it like leaks and it leaks onto her cigarette, and woman fucking dies because he left some plague open. Like, sorry, but if you're a doctor, don't leave your is... plague open. You know, <laughs> yeah, don't leave the plague open at home because you're Aerosmith. Why are you leaving? You leaving some plague lying around? Yes, what, man? yes. One thing I did like about that is that it dripped onto her cigarette and they kind of very early in the movie they establish her having well not really a smoking problem but they make it a thing that she smokes and for that to eventually become her death i thought it was a cool detail that they laid it out early in the movie but the fact that he had open plague laying about sorry but even even if he accidentally left one open that's too no no yeah no i i agree Let's see. I had some. I had some other notes. I, in general, I I I didn't hate this movie, but I had kind of too many problems with it to really enjoy it. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Um. First of all, the audacity at the start. It starts with this whole romance, and this this woman has not even really shown interest in Aerosmith, and he's he's going. You're going to marry me. So I put bitch the audacity. You've known her for less than a day. This is re- um, this is just the the thing that all of these fucking movies do is like yeah. I've known you for five minutes. We are going to get married. Yes. Oh really? Yes. Are we going to get married? Yes. We'll do it in a week, darling. And it's like it is ah, wait, hey, every whoa. single time and every single time. This one, it, they kind of got into liking each other, which is nice because yeah. a lot of the time they don't even seem to really have any any chemistry and they're kind of mean to each other. But yeah. Um, to be fair, I think a lot of the movies this year actually subverted this quite well. Yeah, a, I think the, the, a yeah. lot of them did it really good, yeah. really well. This time I think around. we're we're getting there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also Aerosmith has a horrible moustache. Just so you know, good to mm-hmm. know. I'm pretty sure drinking out of a lab flask, no matter how clean, is a bad idea. Like they were at the lab, and one of them just grabbed a flask and drank some water from nah, it. Nah, that's like, fine. No, that's not fine. Of course, it's Don't fine. If it's that. clean, that's fine. No, that's you know? not. No. Totally no plague in these flasks. Then I, I I took some screenshots of the lines that I was talking about, like that were very sexist, um, because you know to give a good example of of what it's like to watch some of these movies. Um, yeah. 
Aerosmith says they're expecting a baby. Aerosmith says, we'll see the world yet and we'll take the boy with us. Even if he turns out to be a girl, we'll take him. And I... Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's... Mm -hmm. Then I don't know who Aerosmith was talking to, but someone told him, I can't understand your surprise. And he goes, my surprise? My only surprise is that I don't wring your fat neck. Like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Mats was aggressive. Yeah. But overall, yeah, it's. I, I think it had some really interesting topics and mm-hmm. it executed those very well. But yeah, I, I'm, I was just not really a fan of the whole marriage plot of it. That's fair. Yeah, I, I thought this was a good movie. I mm. Honestly, this might be the first year where I really liked pretty much all of the movies. Okay. I don't think there was one where I actively would oh, point at that and go, okay. bad movie. Um, so yeah, this one, definitely, definitely solid. Mm-hmm. I have one quote from it, uh, saved and written down here, that I really, really liked. Because you know that at heart, I'm a little bit of a hopeless romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one scene where I think they're talking about something and he's like, oh, I suck at being a husband. And she goes, you're a rotten husband, but I'd rather have you than all the decent ones in the world. Aww. And you know what? That's a vibe. Yeah, you suck. But like, <laughs> people who don't suck are boring. So I'll take you. Yeah, you know? I like that. That's cute. That's a vibe. Um... So do you wanna you wanna hear some fun facts about this movie? Hell yeah! There's some really fun facts about this movie. So uh, it it was first of all a financial and critical success, mm-hmm. uh, nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Writing for Adaptation, uh, Best Art Direction, and Best Cinematography. Uh, best Writing Adaptation because it is based on a novel, mm-hmm. but it's only a, it's only a little bit faithful to the novel. Okay, yeah. There's a few. Significant changes. One of them omits the fact that Aerosmith is a serial womanizer in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a wealthy, self-centered second wife, which is the woman at the end. Um, this woman was played by Myrna, Myrna Loy. She only has a few scenes with the guy who plays Aerosmith, and the relationship is very undeveloped. Yeah. Um, which I liked, actually. I So this was a thing that really came about because of censors. Uh, right. They didn't. This is the thing that you know. They don't want him to have this thing with another woman while still married. Mm-hmm. So they cut most of her scenes. The version we watched actually had a lot of those scenes already restored, but there's still about ten minutes missing from the movie. Okay. But I actually really liked that. I liked that they very much just had like a you know, maybe a thing, but it was mostly just like a friendship and. He was very still dedicated to his wife, and you know. Yeah, I agree. It would have been also too much going on because they. they yeah. There, there would have been too much different plots if they'd also done that. Yeah. So yeah, a bunch of that was cut from the movie. Helen Hayes, who plays Leora, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she plays Leora Arrowsmith. She was confused because some scenes were like being dropped from the script without explanation. Scenes that were in the book were just not in the movie. And the reason for that is quite possibly, it's the funniest reason, but also, oh, get some help. Oh no. John Ford directed this movie. John Ford, who would later go on to direct The Quiet Man, The Man Who Showed Liberty, Valanche, and The Grapes of Wrath. You know, that John Ford. Mm-hmm. And he was hired to direct this movie on one condition. And it was that producer Samuel Goldwyn of Metro Goldwyn Mayer insisted that Ford 
did not drink alcohol for the duration of the shoot. Mm -hmm. Ford agreed, but because of this, he sped up filming at the expense of plot and continuity, shooting the movie at an increased pace, eliminating scenes that he felt didn't add anything to the film so he could get back to drinking. Oh no. Yeah, uh, which is just, you know, fully separated from the situation, incredibly funny. But and also, also get some help. Yeah, get some help. Yeah, th- that's that's not good. Um, he he obviously went on to do really well for himself. Yeah. So I, you know, go John Ford. But uh, and then uh, two uh, two related fun facts mm-hmm. regarding the level of diversity in this film. We're really sort of going further down on the racism train, which is really nice. Okay. Um. I, as in, we're getting less of it. Yeah, we're getting yeah. way less racist. Okay. It's great. There was about 200 black extras uh, in this movie, which is a crazy amount for the mm-hmm. time. And this is the first American sound film that features a black character, which is uh, the doctor at the end, Dr. Marchand, I think. Right, yep. He has a university degree, speaks mm-hmm. perfect English, does not shuffle, and does not act in any stereotypical way yeah it was um, really good uh, yeah he died still so there's something to work on but we're we're improving did he die yeah he died that was the oh he did the right scene. at the end yeah yeah, yeah i forgot because he just walks out of the movie and then just sort of like calls back in to be like hello i am dying and then yeah so yeah that's arrow smith all right well that that's Gives us way to the next movie, which um, yes. is Bad Girl. Which it's Bad Girl. I'm gonna be honest. I watched it. I watched Aerosmith a while ago as well, but Bad Girl um, did not stick. I oh, I fucking loved Bad Girl. You did? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, please tell us. Tell us more. Bad Girl essentially um, boils down to it's it's these women. They work as uh, I think it's a woman and her sister or sister-in-law anyway they're they're models which the the opening scene of the film immediately i have a note because it's a woman get in a bridal dress she's clearly getting ready for something another woman goes in and she goes after you've done this like eight or nine times you know Mm -hmm. it's not that important anymore and you get this like she walks out surrounded by other women you get the whole music and then it turns out they're just modeling wedding dresses yeah Really fucking good. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's it's a bunch of models, and the opening of the movie really shows that they're just sort of like they keep getting these indecent proposals from men, and they're getting sort of sick of it. And then um, there comes a guy that's not like the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> they take they take a trip on a boat, and they're essentially like, "Hey, there's this one guy here who hasn't actively tried to flirt with any of us. This is deeply fascinating." So she makes a bet with her friend that they can get him to talk. And she manages to sing her ukulele, like play her ukulele and sing at him to the point where he gets so annoyed that he talks to her and she goes, aha, I've won the bet. And he goes, "Mm, I'm not sure if you did. Uh, So they get to talking a little bit and they actually surprisingly do quite like each other. And the whole sort of, the the rest of the movie is sort of them interacting and, and sort of figuring out how to make this whole thing work. And it's quite nice. The, the whole plot of the movie essentially at some point boils down to a massive misunderstanding. This movie, the guy in this movie is very much like... Doesn't communicate. Every, no, but neither does the woman. No, true. Uh, 
like they both don't communicate with each other but they are both very clearly in it because they want the other person to be happy like the guy pretty much everything he does he's like no no this is not because i think you're incompetent or because you shouldn't do anything it's because i care about you and i feel like it it's you know i need to i need to make sure you're happy mm -hmm. you want to live in a bigger house i'm gonna make that happen like he is he is fully there and fully dedicated to do whatever she wants him to do or rather what what he thinks yeah she wants him to do essentially at some point she goes she gets pregnant and she is convinced that he doesn't want a kid because he made a negative comment about children at some point mm -hmm. and on the other hand he is convinced that her having the baby is making her deeply unhappy mm -hmm. and it's this sort of spiraling of their relationship because they both think that this is going to make the other person's life worse even though both of them are really having a good time and they just yeah. refuse to communicate this to the other person. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does have a happy ending, so that's all good. But I thought it was a very fascinating. It was very fascinating. It was kind of frustrating to watch to me. Not not necessarily, let's say, it was like bad to watch. I still think it was a good movie, but just watching them not communicate anything and keep thinking that the other hates them now because they don't just talk about it is... Like, it's a lesson, for sure. I, I learned something watching this movie, because he also, at some point, so he buys the house, even though he really wants a radio shop, so she wants yeah. him to get the radio shop, but then he thinks that she wants a house, so she, he buys a house, but he never talks to her about it. And then she's like, I didn't want a house, I wanted you to have a radio shop, and then they suddenly have a house they didn't really want, either of them. I mean, it's it's a nice house, and they both like it, but like they would have given that money to something else if they had just talked about it. And it's not just a little money, it's $580, which in current currency is $10,000. Yeah. Oh my god. Which, to be fair, for a house, still, that's a fucking yeah, steal. Yeah, fair enough, but... I could get a house for $10,000. Oh, yeah, but, um, yeah, no. And I also, I thought it was a bit of a weird place to end, because they, they kind of make up in the end, right? And they explain to each other, we both do want the baby, and that's nice. Yeah. But they haven't really learned anything, either of them. Like, they, they, they talked it out, but neither of them seems to really... Be a better communicator towards the end of it. Oh, yeah, no. It's very much like sort of hoping that they would, you know, it, 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 the movie ends on you going, okay, I hope they keep this communication yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And also, I also put down, why do the pregnant women never look pregnant in these movies? Every time they're pregnant, they don't even pretend. They don't even put a pregnancy pregnancy belly on the actresses or anything. They're just yeah. still thin. No, this is definitely true. But yeah, it was a it was a little bit of an enemies to lovers. Very shortly, they they died yeah. quite quickly. Um, I also put down that the sound sometimes wasn't done very well. I guess they this was one of those movies where they're still figuring it out a little. Like it, it, sometimes it felt like they were uh, turning away from the mic mid sentence, and you could yeah. hear that. You could yeah, hear it like go, go soft as they walked away from the mic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, pretty good movie, I'd say. Yeah, I appreciated this one. I only have a few notes on this. I have a cool roller coaster shot. I put, oh my god, I put sick roller coaster shot. It's cool, right? <laughs> there's, there's a shot where they have like the camera in the roller coaster and they're going to the, yeah. and you know, and for the time. Did you see, do you know the size of these fucking cameras? Yes, they just put it there. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Absolutely so, yeah. sick. Um, and I have, I have two quotes saved from this one. I have one where, so essentially she has like an abusive brother and the brother has a, a, a wife. And at some point the brother is, he goes off on uh, the, the main woman. What's her name? Dot. Oh my God, I forgot, Dot. Yeah. He goes off on Dot and he's like, 
Oh, you stayed up until four? Get the fuck out of my house. You're a disgusting slut of a woman. And essentially, as she is getting ready to leave, his wife then goes, Okay, well, I've also stayed up until four, and if you think that your sister is a mm. disgusting slut of a woman, I now know what you think of me. Goodbye. I'm mm. getting out before we get married. Cheers. Her name, um, is, her name is Edna, and she is yes. a queen. Oh Edna my God. is a goddamn queen. Um, but yeah, the quote I have saved is when the, the sister-in-law walks out on the brother, and they're like, Dot is like, I'm so sorry like that he was such a dick to you. And she goes, no, no, he saved my life. I mean, they, they sentence you to death for killing your husband these days. <laughs> it's, it's good. They're, they're, they're good with the roasts. Absolutely. Um, I, I, um, I had one in the beginning, uh, a quote there, where someone, that this is one of the guys that always, like all the guys try to hit on her, and it's one of them. Uh-huh. And um, he's like, doing anything tonight? And she goes, I'm taking my two pet fish out for a drive. There'll be yep. room for another if you'd care to go. <laughs> yep. Okay. Oh. Fucking loved that. Yeah, I have I have one more quote saved, which is um, a, a quote that I oh I feel this in my goddamn soul. It's it's the whole thing of like mm, money doesn't buy you happiness. Eddie at some point in this movie goes, of course there's more things to life than money. You just need money to find them. Yeah, yeah, I'd be like that, huh? It'd be like that. Man's got it fucking right. So yeah, that's uh, that's my notes. That's my quote notes and quotes. I'm also out of my notes and quotes. So do we yeah. do we have some uh, facts? We do, yeah. Just uh, just really quickly, because I need to get the service. I thought this movie was very feminist. Just, like, for the time, for mm. the 1930s, the fact that most of this movie was just women going, God, men fucking suck. They're yeah. assholes. And the movie going out of its way to portray men as assholes. Yeah, and Dot and Edna, the, like, the two f- most important female characters, are both, like, queens except that yeah you know they're except amazing that dot doesn't communicate but th- that dot is another issue like in general they are very they're confident and they know what rights yeah. they have and it's... even even like the moment this ha- like i think edna literally goes hey shouldn't you maybe like yeah. talk to each other about this edna is and both of one. them separately are just like no what do you of course i'm not gonna talk to my partner <laughs> why the fuck <laughs> um so yeah there's some interesting facts uh, this was based on a novel and a play, so the play was based on the novel, and this was based on the play and the novel. Essentially, it's very different, because the Hayes Code went into effect. Ayo. So essentially, in the novel, they have sex that one night that she stays over at his, and she gets pregnant, and then she has to get married. Can't do that. Um, No, so instead, you know, they don't imply that they've... they, They imply that they've slept together, but they don't show it. Yeah. And... The marriage proposal isn't, oh, fuck, you're pregnant, we need to get married. It's, oh, your brother is a real dickhead. Just tell him we're getting married. Oh, mm-hmm. fuck, are we actually getting... Yeah, let's get married for real. I did like that. I did. I like liked that, that a lot. Because she, she, like, this is one of those where, like, the marriage proposal was super fast. And she goes, I wasn't expecting you to do that. And he was like, yeah, no, neither was I, actually. And I really yeah, appreciated they that they sort of... acknowledge that it's Yeah, acknowledge that it was kind of fast, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the only provocative remains of the novel is the title "Bad Girl," which um, ah, that makes so much sense because I also put in my notes at the end why is it called "Bad Girl" because she, in the movie she doesn't really do anything. It bad. wasn't that bad of a girl, no. So yeah, that was uh, it, it. Was essentially this movie. There was a fairly free hand by the director because uh, they really did not hold like Fox did not hold much stock in its commercial appeal. Uh, the mm-hmm. budget was less than a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, they hired a bunch of unknown actors. They really did not give a shit about this movie. Mm-hmm. And then, 
it was universally fucking praised. It was nice. pretty much in like every top ten list of the year. It was nominated for best picture, best director, and best adapted screenplay. Like nice. It was mega, mega nominated, right? Mega praised. A lot of people singled out James Dunn's performance as being the best thing about this entire movie, oh, which really? is really funny because he wasn't nominated for best actor. Oh. But he did really good, and everyone is, you know, incredibly excited. Following this success, they also immediately just teamed the leads again in more films. They mm-hmm. had like four more films together. Um, they wrote wrote another film for them, but then what's her name? Eilers, the the, the woman uh, refused to play the part. Sally Eilers. So they got someone else in. So that was the end of that stint. But they did they did like including this one five movies together, and they were like you know uh, a, a sort of power couple in uh, in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and my favorite little fun fact for this movie is that Eddie Collins says the word okay twenty one times. <laughs> yeah, you know that sounds like an Eddie thing to do. But yeah, um, then our third movie. Our third movie, The Champ. The Champ. The it Champ. Is about a champ. It's about it a champ. It is about a champ. Um, Played by Wallace Beery. Yes, again. who we know from yes. The Big House, for example. It's Mr. Spaghetti. It's Mr. It's Spaghetti. Mr. Spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. This guy, he's in another movie. Oh, he's uh, this year. everywhere. He's everywhere. Really exciting. And then also Skippy from Skippy, Jackie Cooper. Yeah, Skippy from Skippy is in this. Yeah, I actually, and he was good. Yeah, he did he was, really good. He it's crazy because it's only a year later than the last uh, movie we watched of him, but he already looks older. He does. Yeah, yeah. I I did not immediately recognize it. Yeah, same. Uh, I was I was like, do I recognize it? I had to look him up before I realized it was actually Skippy. Yeah. He also um, got so much better. Like yeah. So essentially, yeah. yeah, the movie is about Andy, the champ for Cell, mm-hmm. former world heavyweight boxing champion. Uh, and he's sort of, you know, a yeah, bit of an alcohol problem, a bit of a gambling problem. So he lives alone with his eight-year-old kid. What's his name? Dink? Yeah. It's yeah. it's short for Kadinkas. <laughs> it is short for Kadinkas. Yeah, shit, you're right. So yeah, uh, Andy and Kadinkas live in uh, in a sort of rundown house in Mexico. And essentially the movie is is him trying to sort of regain his status as champion to make his son proud. Yeah. And there's also the subplot of the son's mother... Uh, realizing he exists, she she doesn't know this, and trying to sort of well, find gave, her way back into his life. She gave birth to him, but like she didn't. Yeah, but she didn't they, like. She yeah. didn't know he was still sort of. Yeah, they, they it, very much sort of broke contact and it's, never. It's weird ever... because they do portray it as if she didn't know she had a son, which doesn't make sense. But doesn't that, make sense because she made him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's basically it. Um, Guy guy tries to get back into the boxing ring, but has severe severe problems with gambling and alcohol. And yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you think? I so this was probably my least favorite out of the bunch, mm-hmm. but I still quite liked it. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought there was a lot to like about this movie. I thought it was a really interesting look at both you know addiction and 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 sort of you know, substance abuse, mm-hmm. and specifically the effect that it has on his kid, mm-hmm. where the kid is very much like, you know, my dad is fucking up his life, but that's my dad, and I love him, and I'm not just gonna, you know, abandon yeah. this dude. Um, Mother t- tries is... to take him away, but the kid is like, no, no, he's he's been with his father forever, and even though he knows he has yeah. a problem, it's like, no, I wanna... Yeah, the, the, the kid is portrayed as very well aware of the fact that his mother can 
give him a better life. Yeah. Uh, but he's just like, no, I'm not leaving my dad. Fuck you. Yeah. Which I, I deeply appreciate. Yeah. Um, so a bit of a spoiler here, but it does end quite tragically because I, I thought this was, did this actually, I, I, I wasn't, I, I felt very involved. I felt very, you know, um, immersed, uh, towards the end. Yeah. Um, champ i i've been calling him champ in my notes because that's what most people call him yeah people call him champ yeah, yeah. champ uh has the boxing match and everyone is kind of like i don't think he's gonna win like he used to be world champion but he hasn't trained in a well and he's been training for a few weeks but you know he's also a bit older and everything um and it's this match that he he's gets pretty beaten up but in the end he manages to win it and which was very important to him also because he was gonna win a lot of money and he had already lost a horse that he'd given to Dink yeah, his, earlier. Yeah, he lost Dink's because horse. Because he gambled yeah. it away and he was like, okay, no, I'm gonna make sure that he has I can horse. buy back the horse, yeah. yeah. And so he, he wins um, but then they walk off and he seems to be fine for a moment. I was like, why does he seem so fine? He, he's been bleeding and everything. Um, but yeah, no, he's like, oh, there's the horse, Dink, and Dink goes to the horse and they go into another room and uh, Champ dies. And yeah, straight up. It's kind of heartbreaking when Dean comes in and he's just like, uh, dad. <laughs> and like, yeah. And man's dead. Trying, he's, he, you know, he's finally bettered his life, it seems like. He has been training without the alcohol and without the gambling. And he's been yeah. trying to get back into the good track for his son. And then man dies and like man's dies Dink yeah does like the kid uh jackie cooper does such a good job at acting like so distraught he's like where is my father i want my father like he keeps saying i want my father you know and it's oh. yeah and this is what everyone who runs into him he's like oh yeah hello we can have a short little conversation i want my dad back yeah like and then his friend comes in and he gives him a little hug and he seems to calm down for for one second yeah and, he and then just instantly back to, no i want my dad back um yeah 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 overall i i like this movie i wouldn't say it, it you know it's probably somewhere in the middle for me in the middle of the list i i didn't think it was super special but i did like it and i also thought they executed the end very well where i uh, yeah i was i was a little sad that you know he died yeah it was yeah. it was a it was a very sad and solid ending hmm yeah for sure yeah uh let's see i if if we have some notes um <laughs> I only have one note, okay. which is, again, it's it's very clearly a race-based comment, but it's very not racist, which is great. It's when uh, his mother, like, Dink meets his mother for the first time, not knowing she's his mother, and he, you know, introduces his his friend, who's a black boy, mm-hmm. and he goes, this is my friend, he's colored, and his mother goes, oh, quite a nice color as well, like, quite a, quite a pretty color. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Clearly fucked up. Yeah. But very clearly good intentions. Yeah. So for the 1930s, well done. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to get it. like it's it's fucked up that you know, they have to mention yeah. it and they they they're making something weird out of it, but they are trying. They're yeah. trying. Um yeah. I have some notes. Let's see. <clears throat> Champ doing wrestle moves in the morning looks more like he's dancing. Lol. I don't think Wallace Beery had a lot of a lot of kickboxing uh, training no, for this. No. <laughs> um, also, uh, not kickboxing because it's just. Oh, no, 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 just boxing. Sorry. Yeah. The horses are still filmed in silent film frames per second FPS, and uh, the legs yep. that makes the legs go oh so fast. Oh, they go. <laughs> oh my god! It makes them go yep. so fast. It's crazy. Um, there's a stutterer. Just thought I'd mention it because this has been a consistent thing throughout our episodes. 
then mm-hmm. at some point Ding's driving, the kid is driving the car. Yeah, uh, I really like that. They, they were just, it, it's just very clear, like, they trust the kid, but they are irresponsible bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. on the cop car, it says, Servitio de Polizia, which country are we in? I don't know why for the set they got, I think, an Italian mm-hmm. police car. I'm so confused. Um, then... Right, damn healthy way of giving Ding to his mother, Champ. Just say, uh, just saying, you hate him. Basically, Champ is trying to get, uh, Ch- Champ is trying to get his kids to go to his mom because he knows he has a gambling addiction. He's like, this is gonna go wrong, and you know, Ding yeah. deserves a better life. But because Ding likes his father so much, the only way he can think of doing this is just saying, no, Ding, I fucking hate you. You are yeah. Awful. He punches his kid. He punches his kid. That was an. He then has a breakdown but, about yeah, it. He's yeah. like. Oh, I, I hit my kid. What kind of an asshole am I? But that was sort of his point of like, you know, I need to get this kid away from me, which yeah. I thought was a really interesting scene. The fighting was also in silent frames per second, which yeah. also made it look um, interesting. Yeah, it was fascinating to say the least. But yeah, and and that's uh, that's I had some notes about my you know my emotional journey throughout the last uh, fifteen minutes, but yeah. Yeah, that was a. It was a roller coaster. It was a bit of a roller coaster. So that moves on to some some facts, some some funny. Some fun facts. facts. I've got some funny funky facts. Okay. This was really the movie itself. The fun facts about the movie itself are not that fascinating. It was essentially so. This this movie's been described as an inverted women's film uh, because mm-hmm. the men in the film are not generally depicted as being at the top of the socioeconomic ladder, but they're shown as just primary childcare providers, yeah. which is a really interesting take. True, um, and also had a really significant cultural effect because a bunch of motion pictures in the 1930s, a lot of them also starring Wallace Beery, uh, repeated that basic story of a man surrendering to drink and then being redeemed by the love of his son. Okay, and a bunch of film critics argued that you know. Pretty much any film where they had an adult and a child, they had to compare it to The Champ in terms of the chemistry between Mm. the actors. Because essentially, so many critics cited the the chemistry between Beery and Cooper being such a special chemistry Mm -hmm. that, you know, that was sort of like the the, They became a bar. Yeah, no, no, that was just the bar. Oh, right. Like, this is how you want your interactions to be. Right. It made nine-year-old Jackie Cooper the first child star of the 1930s, uh, which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah. And in part, this was the inspiration for the father and son in the Berenstein Bears books. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I did read, I was looking up, not this movie, because, you know, that's your job. But I was, yeah. I was just curious about Jackie Cooper for some reason. And then I uh-huh. read that he actually really disliked Wallace Berry. <laughs> Yeah, um, we're, okay, so, listen, this, <sighs> my most of my fun facts here are about the actors, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things here, just very quickly about Wallace Beery, he won, he was one of the ties for best actor for this, mm-hmm. uh, he got one less vote than the actual winner, which was Frederick March for um, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay. But the rules at the time considered anyone with only one or two votes less than the leader as being in a tie. So mm. both of them got the award, which kind of bullshit, but okay. Kind of bullshit, but okay. Good for him. And the role was written specifically for him as well. Okay. Jackie Cooper, on the other hand, he was paid $1,500 a week while working on the film. And Wallace Beery did not like that. Oh. Yes. So, 
did Wallace not get as much or he just didn't like the kid getting paid? He didn't like the kid getting paid that much. Um, before we go into this, I want to very quickly mention that there's a reason Jackie Cooper did not like the people working on this set. Again, because, because last time he had a bit of a moment with his dog, um, <laughs> the director pretending his dog had been shot. Yeah. So what, uh, what, what is he dealing with this time? Yeah, there's a... Uh, it's not as bad. Okay. Uh, another fun fact that I slightly... I didn't notice last week, but I know it now. Uh, or last month, but I know it now. Uh, it's the fact that uh, Cooper, Jackie Cooper, titled his autobiography, Please Don't Shoot My Dog. Yeah, after uh, that incident. Yeah, so this time around, King Vidor, the director, felt like Jackie Cooper wasn't really getting into the spirit of it. So he pretended to fire one of the assistant directors, Robert Golden, because he knew Cooper was fond of him. Oh my god. Um, yeah, after Cooper burst into tears, Vidor shot the scene he wanted, then rewarded him for being such a good boy by rehiring Golden. I feel bad for this kid. I feel so bad for this Oh my god, this every kid. set he goes to, it's just been manipulation it's... yeah and also this movie was fucking shot in clutch it started filming in august finished shooting in october and it was released in november oh my god so this kid was overworked and just pushed to the fucking brink oh my god yeah so him and wallace him and wallace uh wallace was really hyped for this movie he claims that he's t he turned down a $500,000 offer from a syndicate of Indian studios who wanted him to play Buddha uh, uh, in order... Yes, in order to take the role of the champ. Uh, yeah, Mr. Beery was violently jealous of the child stars he often had to work with. Um, he has stated that Jackie Cooper nearly stole the, the champ from him, and he had a clause added to his contract... Uh, stipulating that no juvenile performer would be allowed a close-up in films that he was in. Oh my god. Yeah, Cooper would later accuse Wallace Beery of trying to upstage him and treating him like an unkempt dog. Behavior ascribed to jealousy. What, um, what is... How how bad is your ego if you cannot handle... A kid. With a kid. Oh my yeah. god. Th that this said... Kid also very nice. <laughs> Well, no, very clearly, Barry is just... Mostly his stuff is just money-based. Mm. Essentially, because he was so upset that Jackie Cooper was getting so much money, Barry signed a contract with MGM shortly thereafter specifying that no matter what actors he was working with, he would receive $1 more per year than any other actor. That's um, so petty. Oh, my God. It's so petty. But it did effectively make him the world's highest paid actor. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> well, always going to get paid $1 more. <laughs> well so, done, you God. know. He, he, he In the end, he, he did end up saying, like, you know, that Jackie Cooper is a great kid, but I am never working with him again. But then he did. It was a filthy fucking lie. Yeah, he broke that promise twice within the same <laughs> year. Uh, he, he he made two more movies with this kid uh, immediately. So. Oh my god! And I, I have to say, for the amount of like roles he's getting and uh, nominations, by no means do I think Wallace Beery is a bad actor. But no, but he's a bad dude. He's a dickhead. Yeah, and he's also I think he's very much a 1930s actor where yeah. he was great then. But looking at him now, it's it seems very it seems a little bit theatrical how he uh, like yeah how he absolutely it, it it doesn't feel very genuine. But that's probably because of the difference in times. Yeah. Um, 
So the, the two movies that they ended up uh, making together later on are The Bowery, which is another like sort of like gangster type movie. Uh, and they start in the remake of Treasure Island. Treasure Island? Treasure Island. They I, made Treasure Island. I, I don't know what Treasure Island is. No, you're fu- you're fucking. With me. I'm not fucking with you. No, you know what Treasure Island is. No, how am I supposed to know what Treasure Island is? You don't know what Treasure Island is? It's probably an island with some treasure on it. The, the Robert Louis Stevenson book about pirates. Oh, it's pirates. Of course, you know. Long, what it is. Long John Silver, Billy Bones. Listen, you like pirates. How much? You know, you know Long John Silver. You must know Long John Silver. Is that a character? Yeah, that's like the famous pirate ever. No, the famous pirate is from Peter Pan. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I'm going to have a stroke. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know what Treasure Island I have no is? Idea. <laughs> anyway, they did Treasure Island. Yeah, I'm happy for you. They were, go, they were go, in Treasure Island. Go together. watch it sometime, I guess. I not believe. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. Ah, it's fine. This this was my fun fact. We can go on to the next <laughs> we can movie. We can go now. on to the next movie now. Which is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. God, I love this one. Okay, so you might have you might know this story because it's a very famous story that has been done many, many yeah. times. Probably even more times than Treasure Island. No. <laughs> yes. No, it hasn't been. No. Yeah, yeah, it has probably. No, it actually hasn't been. Treasure mm-hmm. Island is way more accessible okay listen dr jekyll and hyde which is a more jekyll and hyde yes um it's about mr scientist mr mr dr jekyll dr jekyll yeah literally it is about him um (laughs) and he he is like yeah the the mind is like we have a good side and we have a bad side and if only we could separate the two then we would be free um, so that's what he continues to do. Nobody believes he can do it, but he makes some kind of potion that does it. And uh, when he drinks it, he turns into Mr. Hyde, which just is basically looks like an ape. That's that's yeah, just that's it. It's a, it's monkey monkey it's brain. Monkey it's very much just and, like yeah, the base evil instinct of humans personified. Yeah. And he finds this specific woman that when he was Doctor Jekyll, he was introduced to, and. Uh, yeah, she flirted with she's, him a little bit. Yeah, and she's and Mr. Hyde has decided. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Hyde decides woman. this. This is gonna be the woman, and he just abuses her in all kinds of ways. And she, oh, yeah. she is super panicky about it. It's 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 not looking great for her. Um, but eventually, you know, things get out of hand, and people find out that he is not only Doctor Jekyll but also also Mr. Hyde. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, his fiance, Doctor Jekyll's fiance, is not aware of all of this happening. Yeah, um, it, it's really fascinating. It's essentially he takes this potion the first time as an experiment, and there's you know evil things happen, and later on some things happen in his Doctor Jekyll life that essentially make him go, oh, I'm I don't want to be the good guy right now. I'm gonna I just I need to let fucking loose, uh, and he turns into Mister Hyde, um, and he does some really just fucked up really shit to Ivy, stuff, yeah, and. Later on, he's like, oh, I did some fucked up shit. We are not dealing with this anymore. We, I'm never doing that again. Mm-hmm. But by that point, Mr. Hyde has been so unleashed that sometimes he just turns into Mr. Hyde un, un, unprompted. He doesn't yeah. have to take the potion. It just starts happening to him. And this is when he's like, you know, oh, 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 I fucked up big time. Like, I need to, you know. He also, this is also one where he's like, he he goes up to his, his fiance to break up with her at some point to be like, I'm freeing you. I, I'm yeah. doing terrible things. 
I need you to not be tied to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was really interesting. It was interesting for sure. Also, just style-wise, this one was quite different. It was definitely more of an art film. Um, it, it starts with this POV shot that kind of it kind of gives you video game in the 1930s vibes. Like, he, he is walking through his house and whatnot. And, um, yeah. It, it, yeah. I did really like it. It was a really good... I wrote down cool-as-fuck POV shot. Yeah, um, I really liked it. I was a bit scared that the whole movie was going to be like that, which I wouldn't have liked. Uh-huh. But just it being a shot, that was that was great. And also, they, they do this thing where he goes into the mirror. And uh, yeah. that was really cool because, obviously, that's well hard to execute we can just assume that there was no mirror there and he had the camera and, guys yeah but it, it looked the... really cool but it looked really cool um yeah and then also some really cool special effects of him turning into mr hyde i think that was qu- quite revolutionary at the time it was in mm-hmm. fact the secret of those those transformation scenes was not revealed for decades right uh, yeah. they they didn't reveal that until 1969 Damn. I'm going to reveal it to you during the fun facts. Yeah, but... I'm very curious. Um, yeah. I think I might have an idea, like, when I when I did my studies, um, I I think I might have learned about it. But, yeah, no, that was super might have. cool. Um, yeah, let's see what... I... Oh, yeah, there's also a very heavy vignette for a lot of it, which makes sense with the themes of the mo- uh, movie. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I did not like Ivy's actress, Miriam Hopkins. Uh, mm-hmm. Ivy is the is the girl that uh, gets yeah. that's the victim of Mr. Hyde. Um, she's also in another movie that we watched this year, and in neither of them did I really like her. I don't know. Wait, Just not... Which other one was she in? Uh, she was in the Smiling Lieutenant. She's the princess. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I'm sure she tried. Iconic orgo music. Iconic orgo music. Um, yeah. Right, there's also some changes. He changes several times throughout the movies. And, like, there's one in particular that I say is very famous because of its special effects. But there are also a few where they just took different pictures of him throughout the transformation. Throughout the makeup and, process, yeah. And that those ones are a little less well executed because he... Yeah, seems... I, I do think they're still cool for the time. But yeah. they're not as good as the, as the first one. It just shows was... basically pictures vaguing into each other of him turning back normal or turning into the ape. But the thing that... That's fine. The thing that really gets me is that he, they put his heavy breathing under it. But there is no... His yeah. mouth doesn't move because it's more like photos. So it, it's mm-hmm. just really weird to have the breathing under there. It feels yeah, it's very a, it's a choice. intrusive. Yeah. I don't... Mm. Um, yeah, that was. I didn't have that many notes on it, uh, but I, I did. I did really like it. It, it was a bit slow at times, no. and it's kind of hard to look at him do all the bad stuff. But that's supposed to be that way, obviously. Mm. I feel I have only two quotes on this one. Okay, I also um, have one. You go first. Okay, so the the first one I have is again a hopeless romantic quote. It was. Um, I think she his his fiance Muriel at some point goes. I feel like you don't love me seriously. And he goes, oh, I love you better than that. I love you gaily, happily, high-heartedly. Which, again, cute. And the other one, which I thought was very... It it sort of grasps the entire movie, is um, it's the things I can't do that always tempt me. Hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a good quote. Yeah. Um, The one I had was him explaining to his fiance, Dr. Jekyll explaining to his fiance, uh, she was gone for a month and... He didn't write her anything because he was being yeah. busy being Mr. Hyde and whatnot. Um, uh-huh. And so she kind of asked for an explanation. And he goes, I wasn't ill in body. I was ill in soul. 
The sufferings of the spirit are so difficult to communicate, which I also really liked. Yeah. Yeah, in general, I thought it was just really interesting. They they kind of treat it as a a mental illness almost, which, I mean, obviously, taking a potion and turning it Mr. Hyde isn't a mental illness. But it's essentially it's 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 a sort of it's this exaggeration of mental illness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they treat it quite interestingly. I feel like they they have some really good quotes in there and just kind of an understanding of like you know, your mind can also be sick. Yeah. I'm quickly running through my list because there's a lot of fun facts mm-hmm. about this one. I mean, a lot. <laughs> um, let's start with the, the the very simple ones. Mm-hmm. Both of the women are not in the book. Oh. Muriel was added in a stage version, and then you know, adopted into the movie. And Ivy is completely original to the movie. Oh, this okay. is an entire yeah. It was also made before the full enforcement of the production code, uh, which is why there's so much sexual content in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it was released in 1936, they required eight minutes of it to be removed, yeah. mostly uh, Ivy's scenes, because yeah. she's, you know, a very sexual character. Yeah. This footage was restored for, for the releases we saw. But yeah, it was it was, it was was gone for a little bit. Um, this is the only adaptation where Jekyll's name is pronounced correctly, because it's not Jekyll, it's Jekyll. Oh, right. That's true. I did notice that, but then I ignored it. <laughs> yep. Um, a lot of interesting facts about just a lot of things. Uh, I'm just going to go through some really quick one. It's the first horror movie to ever win any Academy Award uh, whatsoever. Oh, there are um, like only under 10 horror movies in general that win things, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, a whole collection of actors were originally you know suggested but a lot of people were turned down because they felt like they could either play Hyde or play uh Jekyll but not, not both. both and then they suggested Frederick March who you know won an Oscar for it yeah so, let's go Deserved, good fucking choice he, he also chose to overplay both Jekyll and Hyde to emphasize the contrast between them which is a I think was a good choice the sound of the pounding heart in the transformation scene was actually um uh, was the director's uh, director's heartbeat? They recorded it no. after he ran up and down the stairs for two minutes. No. This was the very first film to be screened at the world's very first film festival ever in Venice, Italy. Oh, let's go! Yeah, uh, it was a huge success. It did not save Paramount from bankruptcy, sadly. Oh. Mr. Hyde's appearance, as we've discussed, was based on the Neanderthal man. Interestingly, the Neanderthal fossil on which uh, Mr. Hyde was based is Shanadar One who was a skeleton who was like the basis of the Neanderthal man's appearance. Mm. Uh, but in the 1960s, it was discovered that his appearance was distorted because he had rheumatism and a withered arm, and he died in a cave-in oh. from which his family managed to escape. So that that's not actually what they mostly looked like. Oh. Um, yeah. It, was it a is bit... what Mr. Hyde looks like, though. Yeah, Mr. Hyde looks like that. Oh, he sure <laughs> does look like that. Um, Quickly, this was written by the same uh, same author as Treasure Island, by the way. Jekyll and Hyde, Robert Louis Stevenson. Just so you know. I'm happy you're for you, man. I'm, I'm... Mm. yeah, no mm. good. Right, so, interesting, funky little facts. Most interestingly, of course, is the transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way that this was done is they did his makeup in a bunch of different colors. Mm-hmm. And then they had a series of color filters in front of the camera lens. Because you're shooting in black and white, you don't see the different colors. Mm -hmm. 
and the way his appearance registered just depended on which color filter was being shot through. So they did all of that in camera. There was no right, like. Yeah, I had learned about this. That's so interesting, though. It's super cool. I I love these kind right? of creative solutions to that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's stuff that you just don't really get that much anymore. Not in the sense of like, you know, oh, people are lazy now or whatever. It's just there's no need for it anymore. And yeah. It's sort of that creativity. Yeah, it's it's really yeah, nice to it's see. Really, really impressive. Uh, the the small the small issue of it is that the heavy makeup he wore as height almost damaged Frederick March's face permanently. Oh, that's um, not good. Yeah, and he was hospitalized after filming had ended. So, um, not fantastic. But he got an Academy Award for it. So, uh, well done. Worth good, uh, good as stuff. Long as it didn't worth. Happen. Mega worth. Um, so yeah, that's that's fucking wild. And then there's a really interesting preservation thing going on. They remade this movie <laughs> okay. in 1941. Okay. And they had to do it like... That was post-code, right? So they had to change some things. Uh, Ivy wasn't a prostitute anymore. She was like a music hall barmaid, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And because they wanted to like... They didn't want any competition or unfavorable comparison because this movie was so well-received. So when they were going to remake this movie, they bought the negative and the rights to both this version and the earlier 1920s silent film version. Mm -hmm. uh, and every print that could be located was recalled and destroyed. Oh. So this was lost for decades oh until they God, found life. Oh my God, that's fucked up. Yeah, it is disgusting studio behavior. Uh, and then the, the remake that they made was really, really badly received. <laughs> To the point where Frederick March, actor of Jekyll and Hyde, jokingly sent the new actor a telegram thanking him for the greatest boost to his reputation he ever had in his oh, entire career. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, that's a good fact. It's a really good fact, right? So I'm very glad this movie made it back out of the, the, the destruction hole because I, yeah. I fucking love this movie. It's really good. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I, I, it's, it's the, it, it's not my favorite. Um, I gotta say, it's, it's. That's fair. It's not simplistic in its message, but it's more simplistic in its storyline. Where it's, it's a very basic plot, yeah. Yeah, but I, I do like the questions it gives. It's just, it's also, it's so. Mr. Hyde is just so repulsive to watch mm. again, which is the point. I get that. It's the it's point. Yeah, just... yeah, but I get it. Oh. <laughs> it's also just, I, I have this, like, I have a weak spot, obviously, for, like, you know, Penny Dreadfuls, Victorian horror, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, but also Dracula, Frankenstein, stuff mm -hmm. like that really gets me. So for me, this is like... Mm, this is this hits the spot. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. really like this. This is a little treat. Yeah. Yeah, this is a cheeky little treat. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy Jekyll and Hyde. Nice. Bonus fact. Ah, okay, teeny tiny bonus fact. People were very confused as to which year this film was released, <laughs> um, because it technically premiered on December thirty first, nineteen thirty one. Oh. But it played for so many months afterwards that it's mostly just cited as being a 1932 right. movie. But Check. technically, it's 1931. 1931. I see, yeah. I see. That's, that's a beautiful date to release a movie. Yeah. Well, that moves us to Five Star Final, which... Five Star Final. I'm just going to preface by saying this is my favorite. 
I like this movie so much. Oh, okay. That's a bold that's a bold take. Bold take. I like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I mean a lot of these movies have interesting themes, but this is one that just I guess also is very, you know, resonant with themes these days <laughs> because yeah. it, it has to do a lot with journalists and how they portray people. Um Yeah, essentially what this this movie is, it's uh, a bunch of editors and, and journalists at a newspaper, the New York Gazette, and they're trying to sort of like get circulation back up. And mm-hmm. they uh, decide to do a retrospective series on a 20-year-old murder in which they are going to essentially dig up this 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 woman who murdered her husband and was I think she was acquitted um and she was she, essentially she got off. Yeah, I think because and, she had a baby at the time. Yeah, and she's just living her sort of normal life now, and the newspapers are deciding to dig this whole thing back up, essentially send her life into chaos by running a national story on how she's doing now, mm. and that her daughter is getting married, and both her daughter and the fiancé are unaware of this entire thing happening, and there's just newspapers suddenly dropping with, like, this woman murdered someone! Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck, my daughter's gonna find out about the whole thing. Yeah, It's... Yeah, deeply fascinating and I I argue harrowing maybe. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's it's fucked up. Like um, the the woman that, that she's called Nancy that had uh, Nancy, that, yeah. that did the murder twenty years ago. She in the end she ends up um, committing suicide because yeah. she just can't handle everything that's going on with the whole the you know the papers everyone yeah. talking about her and mostly just she doesn't know how to tell her daughter that she is a murderer and yeah man um, the whole fucking scene of like. She's dead in the bathroom, and it's her husband. Her husband, who is amazing. Just, just having this whole chat with her daughter, being like, oh, yeah, you know, your mom's out for a second. I'll, I'll, I'm going to join her later. You guys go to the wedding. I'll oh, see yeah. you in a bit, whatever. And the moment you hear, I'll and join her, I was like, I'll oh, join her. No. I was like, oh, my God. It's going to yeah. go wrong. So he also he also commits uh, suicide, and their daughter is uh, left with no parents, and she's quite upset, obviously, and uh, it kind of ends with her going to the office of the journalist yeah. and she has a gun but her fiance still wants to marry her and he is also he's he's amazing i love him and he he's, kind of yeah. calms her down but gives gives the journalist a real good talk that of like what the fuck are you doing you're so fucked up and uh yeah they leave and that the the fucking discussion that the journalists have at the end i don't even want to say too much about this because it's like that was just a solid 10 minutes of one person screaming at some other people, mm-hmm. and it was just me going, "Yes, fucking tell yeah. them." Yeah. Like the main character, um, what what was his Randall. name? Randall. Randall. He he has some real good character development where mm. he starts out as he's already kind of iffy about, "I'm not here for circulation." Like his boss tells him, "We need money," and he's not necessarily there for the money. He is there to be a good journalist, but he gives into it because you know he has a job to do, and he doesn't yeah. have to not have a job anymore. So he does. He he does start his story and whatnot, but he starts to realize how this is affecting the people that he's writing about. And when at the end he sees like the daughter and the, uh, her fiance, he realizes, yeah, this was this was very wrong to do. And also the fact that yeah. you're still thinking about circulation and the fact that you're still wanting to air this story is insane. Fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... It's it's mad. It's a really good movie. Yeah, I thought I um, thought it was just really really interesting look on 
journalism, but also, also I guess, capitalism, because the way that, well, capitalism more in yeah. the sense of, like, how money comes first, right? Like, it, it doesn't matter what we're doing yeah. to these people, but we, do, we just need to sell more papers and, you know. Mm. His secretary, as well as the guard chart, we like, oh, was yeah. very much like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to make money, but I, I fucking despise everything that's going on here, and I'm deeply unhappy about it. Also, immediately points out that uh, the woman with bigger boobs get the job Yeah, got the because... job, yeah. 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 But yeah, the I have to say all the the victims here are all such beautiful people, which makes it more heart wrecking. Yeah, because, it's um, heart wrenching. You know, the, the the women are really, but also the husbands, both like the husband and the fiance, both of them are so Just nice and understanding and supportive. That yeah. like the the fiance, his name is Philip, and his parents don't want her, uh, don't want him to marry uh, the girl anymore because she is the daughter of a murderer, and he he's like no. No, I there nothing's changed, you know. Yeah, he's like I'm I'm still I'm still going to marry this 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 girl. Yeah, like, like she she is she She's is still Jenny, the same woman. It? She yeah, didn't know about this woman, yeah. And she you know and um yeah, he just kind of uh he yeah, he's just really nice. I liked him a lot. I think it's when he tells he tells his mother like you are the most rotten person I've ever met in my life and mm. I was like yeah, her. I have his whole, let me actually just pull it up here. I have his speech at the end because I thought it was really good. Mm. Okay, so this is this is what Philip, the fiance, says towards the journalist at the end when he has just prevented Jenny, his his fiance, from murdering them. Uh, he yeah. says there won't be any more murders, and it won't do any good to tell you what you've done. You'll go on hunting down little unimportant people who can't fight back. You'll go on with your filthy newspaper, pulling the clothing off women and selling their naked souls for two cents. You've grown rich on filth, and no one's ever dared rise up and crush you out. And I thought that was yeah. really good. It's really good. I have a few more quotes, because there was a lot of good quotes. There was a lot one. of good quotes. There was a one that I thought, because I thought this movie was fairly feminist. And there was there was one scene in there where they were talking about the wedding. And the parents go, oh yeah, the priest called. He was asking if you want the word obey to be in the vows. And it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really good one, actually. Yeah. Like, fuck. Um, and then there was one which, this was mostly, I think this was the secretary saying this as well. She's like, you will always be able to get people in on the crucifixion of a woman. Yep. Which is when they were first discussing, like, are we going to, you know, dredge this woman's past mistakes up mm -hmm. forever? Um, she was like, oh, no, yeah. You, people are going to, that's going to sell like hotcakes. You can always get people in for the crucifixion of a woman. And I thought that was really, a really interesting sort yeah. of like, yeah. For 1930, that's progressive shit. Yeah, for shit, for shit, for for real. For shit. <laughs> for shit. For shit. Um, when it comes to quotes, I had, I also had um, Philip to his parents when when they tell him they don't want him to marry Jenny anymore. When it comes to my marriage, I'll settle that myself. And then finally, towards the end, when uh, Jenny and Philip have left the room with the gun. Isopod mm -hmm. goes. I'm all uh, I'm all perspiration, and Randall goes perspire outside. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I really like that as well. But yeah, most of my notes are just <laughs> are just my my feelings throughout the movie. Like it's just uh -huh. Nancy, Nancy dead. No, Michael, don't do it. God damn it, this poor Jenny. Philip's parents are so fucked up too. Yes, tell them, Philip. Slay. Not literally slay. Oops. Jenny, <laughs> Jesus, no. Oh, Jenny's alive. But she got a gun. Like, I was so invested. Yep. You were <laughs> deeply... I can imagine. 
Like, it was a really good movie. Yeah, and then um, a few things that maybe make more sense. Um, is the radio music playing while Ma- Michael is alone in a house with Nancy's dead body is amazing. They ba- Basically, the husband of Nancy, um, yeah. Michael, is alone in the house. And he's, he's you know, at first he's searching for it and he finds her body, which obviously is, is mm-hmm. awful. Um, but they have this radio play that makes it so eerie and so... I don't know. It just added so much to that scene for some reason. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. And then, you know, to really, you know, like, you know, how bad the journalists are in this movie. And I hope I hope it's not that, that bad in real life, but who is mm-hmm. to say? Um when uh, Michael and Nancy are dead, they, they are they both of their bodies are in their in their bedroom and a journalist bathroom i think bathroom maybe i'm not sure they don't actually show it um but they a journalist enters like one photographer and one woman journalist they enter the yeah. house they break and en- enter into the house and uh they take a photo of the bodies instead of doing anything they yeah they they're very much into in like for oh the sensation sensationalizing it like yeah yeah but yeah, really interesting movie. I uh, I'm a fan. It, it, it's, yeah, it it's, was... you know, it's 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 if you have a problem with these themes, then don't watch it. Obviously, because it's pretty. Oh happy. yeah, but it is but it's... Uh, it's super interesting. Hmm. Yeah, incredibly. Uh, some fun facts about this one. Yeah. Okay, so it was based on a play. It was written by Louis Weizenkom, who was an editor of the New York Evening Graphic, uh, and when he quit as editor he wrote this play so mm. there's definitely some dirty laundry being mm. aired the producer wanted the press set room to appear authentic so they just studied the designs of actual newspaper offices for it uh so yeah it's it, the, the, this whole thing is layers of accuracy oh god <laughs> uh to the point where newspaper publisher william randolph hearst was greatly offended by the film which he interpreted as a thinly veiled attack on him and his operation uh, and he retaliated by publishing negative reviews in his papers and pressuring theaters not to show the film. Well, yeah. So yeah, uh, the, the the title of the movie refers to the practice of newspapers publishing several editions throughout the day. Uh, the final edition having five stars printed and the word final. So that's what's a five star final. Five star final is also uh, the, ni- the name of a font that was introduced during World War One and then used by newspapers because it's a very narrow type. So you can fit a lot of letters on one page. I was wondering what it was named after. Cool. So yeah, that's uh, that's five star final. Um, it was made in the same year as Little Caesar, which was Edward G. Robinson's breakthrough film, uh, and cast member Boris Karloff, who plays Isopod, uh, also broke through with his portrayal of the monster in Frankenstein later oh. that year. Is yeah, he these are yeah he he's, he looks like no he's he's the monster yeah okay that's what I mean Frankenstein yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I know I know he's not the monster okay sorry the monster he looks like the monster from Frankenstein yeah that's, uh, that's probably offensive I'm so sorry Mr Isopod but yeah oh yeah he looks like a fucked up dude <laughs> <laughs> it's the 1930s I think we can it's fine yeah uh, prior to its release the film was attacked by censors as being exceedingly dangerous due to its negative depiction of the press mm. they also objected to the character of isopod because in the original drafts of the script isopod is a defrocked catholic priest who betrays his oath frequent saloons and assaults a female reporter in a taxi cab ah. uh, so they revised his role to be a bit less villainous yeah yeah okay 
Two more, uh, two more small fun facts. Uh, one of them is when Mr. Townsend says that Jenny and Philip are playing post office uh, when he sees them kissing in the hallway. And apparently playing post office is a young person's parlor game involving kissing. Uh-huh. A group is split into two, usually along gender lines. One group, which goes into another room, the post office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one by one, each member of the second group individually goes into the post office to get a kiss from each person in said post office. Once everyone in the second group has visited the post office, the groups are reversed. Which I think, that's a pretty fun, fun little, fun little kissing game. Mm-hmm. No spin the bottle. No, no, we're going to go to the post office. <laughs> uh, and also, this entire movie was made in a month. Oh wow, that's impressive! Yeah, they they really went fast back then, man. It's crazy, yeah. It's wild. So yeah, that's uh, that's my fun facts on Five Star Final. All right, so we can move on to uh, Grand, Grand Hotel. Hotel. Yeah, um, which has a bunch of famous people in it. We have oh, it loads. Yeah, we have Joan Crawford, which is, yes, which is cool. She is in it, and we have uh, our friend Wellis Beery again. Yes, Lionel Barrymore is in it. Yep, as the Baron. <laughs> Yeah. No, he's not. No, oh, wait, that's John, John, John Barrymore. John Barrymore is, is the Baron. Baron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Lionel the... Barrymore is Otto. Yeah. Otto Kringelein. Yeah, oh, I, I loved him. I loved him. I loved Kringelein so much. Um, and then Greater Garbo, of course, was in it, who uh, regarded as one of the greatest screen actors of all time. Dude, amazing woman. Greater Garbo for life. <laughs> but yeah, Grand Hotel is like an ensemble cast kind of thing going on, where there's this Grand Hotel, uh, wow, in Germany. Yeah. And there are several characters whose lives are kind of getting interwoven. Some know them yeah. before. There's essentially there's three different big plot lines going on and each plot line has like two or three characters mm-hmm. and all of these characters separately like interact with each other yeah. and interweave. I will preface this by saying that this was probably my favorite bunch. It's, it's a close one. Yeah. It's definitely up there for me as well. I, I, I like this quite a lot. Oh, I love this. Essentially there's these whole plot lines of like there's a baron who has squandered his fortune and he's now like you know an occasional jewel thief and there's an, a, a dying doctor slash accountant who has decided to just spend all his money in his final days by living in the grand hotel mm-hmm. uh, and then there's his former employer who is like close to an important deal and he has a stenographer who's there to assist him but she's there also because she's interested in the baron and then there's a ballerina who is sort of like her career is sort of spiraling downwards and all of these characters are in like have at least one or two other characters that they are connected to either Mm -hmm. before the movie starts or while the movie is starting up they get to know these characters and they sort of intertwine and it's it's really interesting good it's really good this is a movie where i just i don't want i I don't want to talk about it too much because this is i think the only one that i would actively recommend recommend yeah to any because it's not even like it's not like really heavy topics so you can very you can just watch this without yeah, you know being scared of there's some murder but there's a some light murder but you know <laughs> i really like these kind of movies that are kind of portrayed as like these yes. are, this is just a few days of the life of in this case the hotel and and yeah. this is how it goes and then life moves on you know i don't know I, but yeah, what I really like, and I, I I can spoil the literal ending because it, it has nothing to do with the rest of the plot, mm-hmm. but it's all of our main cast is leaving the hotel yeah. one way or another. And the final bit of the movie is just a whole bunch of new people coming into the hotel yeah. and being like, yeah. hi, we're, we're checking and, into the Grand and Hotel. It's, and it's, it's like... The guy, the, I, I don't know if it's a doctor or one of the servants, but... No, it's like, he, he. I think he's a doctor. I think he's like, 
he permanently lives there. He's like a World War One veteran. Yeah, it's like people come, people go, nothing ever happens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Grand Hotel always the same, and then we use yeah. it. Yeah, it's he's just he says this at the beginning and at the end. I I, I just really like that. I I, I just love yeah. those kinds of movies. It feels very it feels very real. I'm gonna sound very yeah. pretentious, but it, it it does it does. And I I also like these these sort of stories of like you know three different things going on mm -hmm. that seem wholly unrelated, but then you know. And it's not even that the stories are intertwining with each other. The stories are, they remain completely separate. Yeah. Except for the, the, the jewel heist one. Yeah. But like, it's these characters. It's characters from these different yeah. stories that are crossing over with each other. And, yeah. you know, what they're doing in their own little subplot of the movie doesn't really matter. But they're, they're you know... It's very character driven, it's, it's, and I, very I always character -driven. like character driven movies. I just same at the heart of the film in the end, if you uh, have good characters or not. Yeah, and uh, what I also thought interesting is that all these characters are either severely likable mm -hmm. or severely interesting. Yeah, there wasn't one character where, if when we were like spending time with them, where I was going, uh, give me mm -hmm. back the other guys. Yeah, same. And they always tend to pair them. It's never just one of them. You always get at least two characters at the same time. Yes. Who are not necessarily characters that are related to each other, which is a really mm -hmm. interesting. Oh, I have loved this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I do have to say my favorite character has to be Dr. Kringlein, though. He's the guy. Oh, he's, Kringlein. He's the man that's spending the last of his money because he's dying in the hotel. He, he, you know. He is I, the wholesomest boy. He is so wholesome. And he's also, he is, he doesn't like his former boss. And then he tries to stand up to him. But it goes kind of, you know, it goes kind of iffy because he's not a mean guy. He's not, he doesn't know how to insult somebody. And he's just, yeah. I don't know, overall really nice guy and you know he's he becomes friends with the baron who is really nice to him is like oh my god you're the first person ever that's been so nice to me and it's yeah just, oh he, he's just oh, also he's such guy. a clumsy clumsy kind of guy both in his interactions and just in general i yeah yeah good guy yeah definitely for me it was kringelein flemchen as well the stenographer mm. john crawford i loved her i yeah and the baron yeah, the Baron was also really good. He was he was more interesting than likable, I'd say, in out of the yeah. two categories, but very interesting for sure. For this one, I have very few notes. My notes literally, I started by saying really cool opening credits because mm -hmm. these were the ones that were like still paintings of the guy. It was mm -hmm. really cool. And then the rest of my notes literally just say, "Yo, sick." <laughs> That's cool. I'm, pre I'm I'm presuming I wrote that down in response to a specific scene. Mm -hmm. I could not tell you which <laughs> scene. Um. I have a few notes, but I'll I'll not say a few of them. I, I, I think it's a good idea to not completely spoil this one in case anyone mm -hmm. wants to watch it. Because I would also definitely recommend it. Um, yeah. But a few that I can say is the beginning was really cool because they're introducing all their storylines by having to make a phone call. Yes. And um, it kind oh. of, it's very, in the beginning, you don't, you're not going to remember all of these characters and you're not going to remember which one is related to which storyline. But it does give a good start of... Ah, the, this these are the stories that we're talking about, and this is these. Yeah, are you're and... you're not gonna know all of this straight from the top, but once they once they actually get into their stories, you will be Recognize going in your head like, oh yeah, he was talking on the phone about oh yeah and... yeah. Then also, I, I, the end that I had is uh, I like the end of the guests being interchanged with new guests and the doctor's final lines, though the dot dot dot's murder feels a little unresolved. But you know that's also how it be sometimes. Yeah. I, I don't it, mind it do that be too how much, it be sometimes. but it, yeah. it, it is it is a little bit. The murder happens, and they don't really 
get into it after after the fact um yeah and then i have one more where the uh, the be- ballerina what what how do you say it in english ballerina ballerina uh, she's in a room, and suddenly there's a man in there. I I I I won't get uh-huh. into how or what too much, but he's like, "Don't be alarmed, madame," and she's like, "Who are you?" And he's he says, "Someone who happened to be hiding in your room." Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and I I'm supposed to not be alarmed at this. <laughs> yeah, I love how he was like, "Yeah, no, I was just I just happened to be hiding here because I'm obsessed with you." Yes. and she was like. And she's like, oh okay, yeah, that's okay. actually amazing. Wow, yes, actually, I needed actually, that confidence boost. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> yeah, she, she. I have two two lines written down. One of them I wrote down without knowing it was so big. The other one I'm gonna save for after the fun facts because mm-hmm. I feel like this is this is another one of those lines where like the, for me this is the movie. Okay. But the one that I also wrote down is I want to be alone, which is what she says when she's you know having her breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ballerina's having a breakdown, and essentially this was used as a characterization of how reclusive the actress was in person and it made it onto like you know the top 100 quotes of the last 100 years oh, that wow. afi did at some point mm-hmm. this this is a very iconic line apparently and yeah. i just wrote it down because i liked it but now in research it's like oh you know that's the line from the movie and i'm like oh, oh. my god <laughs> whoa okay you cool. had a good eye you had a you had a good eye that fucking down and she she later insisted, I never said I want to be alone. I only said I want to be let alone. There is mm. all the difference. Which, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, you want some fun facts? Before I want I, uh... some fun facts. Let's go get some fun facts. This was based on a book. A book called Mention im Hotel, uh, which mm. was translated into the Grand Hotel. And in fact, this book and the movie as well, but the book originally, was so successful that... It became the unofficial name for a subgenre of novels. So any, yeah, like any story where there's a bunch of strangers trapped in a situation together and their stories are intertwining, that's a grand hotel book. Wow. Okay. Which is wild. Yeah, that is wild. So yeah, that's crazy. There was a German remake of this movie released in 1959, which served as the basis for the uh, Tony Award winning stage musical Grand Hotel. Hmm. Uh, John Barrymore was so thrilled at the prospect of appearing in this film with Greta Garbo that he accepted a three-picture deal with MGM just to be able to be in this movie. It's also the first film that he was in with his brother, Lionel Barrymore. And Uh, later in the year, they would join their other sibling, Ethel Barrymore, in Rasputin and the Empress. So that was the movie that had all three of them in it. Crazy. This film was also seen as an artistic achievement in art direction and production quality because essentially the lobby scenes where they have like the 360-degree desk... Mm -hmm which allows you know it's it allows you to watch the hotel action from all around the characters and that changed the way that sets were made going forward oh this was also you know you you said like there's a lot of big actors in this movie and that's the first time this has ever happened uh this was the first all-star film every studio they always did like you know those musical review things um, but usually only one or two stars appear in a picture so that you you force your audience essentially to pay separate admissions to see your favorite stars spread across a bunch mm. of different films. And then they made Grand Hotel and it made jack shit fuckloads of money. <laughs> and then they realized, oh, 
can also do this. M more actors means that people who like these actors are just like all all of the separate people who like these actors separately are all going to come see this movie mm -hmm. instead of us making six movies with different actors for the same effect. So they immediately set an all-star comedy into motion called Dinner at Eight after making this movie. Oh which... my god. Sounds good. Joan Crawford was apparently awestruck by Greta Garbo on, on set. Uh, even though they had no scenes together, Crawford would greet Greta with reverence whenever they passed, but Garbo never responded. Uh, so oh. Crawford just stopped hey, trying yo. to engage. And then sometime later, Garbo stops Crawford and goes, aren't you going to say hi to me? Which is the funniest shit to me. Oh my like, god. Especially knowing Crawford was a little bit of a prima donna herself. Oh yeah, like, mm, fantastic. Uh, at one point, Wallace Beery, what a dickhead. At one point, Wallace Beery stormed out of rehearsals saying he would only come back when Joan Crawford learns to act. Oh, I would say she was a better actor in this movie than he was. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, the Hollywood premiere was like a spectacular promotional event. They reproduced the reception desk, placed it outside oh. the venue, and the movie stars who attended the showing were asked to sign the ledger as if they were hotel guests. Like they went That's all out amazing. on this. Tickets for the premiere roadshow engagements were a uh, dollar fifty, which is an extraordinary price. Like it, it's equivalent to about twenty eight dollars. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. MGM Studio Brass wondered how their top female star Greta Garbo would get along with Joan Barrymore in their many scenes together because they were both big personality and she had her well-known peculiar quirks. For instance, she was very reluctant to act in this film with so many stars. Uh, she was only convinced by... They offered her essentially to bill her by her last name only, which was reserved for only the most esteemed actors. Mm -hmm. And she also just hated having outsiders watch her at work while she was filming. It didn't matter who they were. She had no calls about just asking for people to be removed from the set because she was... Lionel Barry was specifically said she didn't do it to be snotty. She was frightened. Mm. But yeah, so they were worried about if she would get along with John Barrymore because they have a lot of scenes together. Um, but as luck would have it, no worries. They hit it off from the very beginning. Nice. Apparently on the very first day, uh, she greeted Barrymore by saying, this is a great day for me. How I have looked forward to working with John Barrymore to which he replied... My wife and I think you are the loveliest woman in the world. Aww. Also, the entire cast never appears together. True. True. Yeah, they're always split up into bits. Almost, which is, but not quite. Yeah, they get very close, but uh, there's one very particular person in the one scene where everyone is pretty much together. <laughs> who isn't there? <laughs> I wonder who it is. During the filming of the lobby scenes, the actors wore socks over their shoes to prevent noise. Apparently, they went through 200 pairs of woolen socks per day. Oh my god. Coming back to a little fun fact we did a while back on a different movie. Irving Thalberg originally wanted his wife, Norma Shearer, to play the role of Flemshin, mm -hmm. taking it from Joan Crawford. But this time she was, she was too sexy? or <laughs> Yeah, she received a lot of fan mail in which fans discouraged her from the role, after which she refused the part, and it went to Joan Crawford, who, as we know, doesn't like Norma Shearer part. much. Yep. yep. God, fucking Wallace Berry. He was originally upset at being cast as Bracing, believing that uh, playing an amoral business tycoon would wreck his image. So he originally turned out, to, uh, he tried to stage a walkout. Didn't work because all the other actors were, you know, professionals. 
so then he turned down his part only to then take it again when he was promised that he would be the only actor to act in the film with a German accent, even though all characters are German canonically. Well, no, the ballerina isn't. No, okay, that's true, but everyone else. But most of them, yeah. Uh, and then when he relented, he re- he decided to steal as much of the show as possible and constantly tried to upstage the other stars. Okay. Which didn't we're... work to me. He was the least interesting character for me. We're, like, we're not well as Barry stands in No, we're not, anymore. no. <laughs> we liked him originally because his story was quite good and then now he's a dick. Yeah, it started all good with Mr. Spaghetti and now it's... Now he's an ass. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe not a surprise, but Grand Budapest Hotel, the Wes Anderson movie, uses mm. elements first shown in this movie, which... Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so th- there was a lot of different remake ideas, one of which was they wanted to do as like a publicity gimmick for the new MGM Grand Hotel that they were building. Mm-hmm. And they they figured the best way to do a remake would be like a self-parodying comedy. But they had to cancel that. Because the MGM Grand Hotel burned down and claimed the lives of eighty-five people, so oh, suddenly doing a funny, do a comedy funny that. comedy movie about that was not a not a great idea. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, and to quickly cap this off, I have my my by far my favorite line from the movie, and just the way that we should live, um, which is a uh, it's a quote from our favorite boy Kringelein: "A short life, Baron, and a gay one." Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so then we go on to our next movie. One yes, Hour With which... You. Exactly. Mm. Another musical with Maurice Chevalier. Maurice Chevalier. He's in here he twice this year and I was so excited. He is in two of the movies. I am loving um, this guy. None of his oh, movies really? so oh far. Oh my have... god! I have the exact opposite. Oh no! None the more of... I watch him, the less I like. Him. None of his movies so far have disappointed me. I well, they've disappointed me, but I've not not enjoyed them. I am okay. l- this guy, great fucking dude, big fan. That's amazing. I I I liked him in One Hour with You. We'll get to the other movie. That's where he started to bother yeah. me. Um, but he's he's very expressive. This is true. He's yeah. Very... Very expressive, and sometimes to me he comes across a little as a creep in his characters when he's because he's always flirtatious. All of his characters That's are fair, flirtatious, yeah. and sometimes he is so expressive in doing so that I'm like, hmm, I don't like that. I don't. To be fair, that's also just because he's like, essentially, he's he's a rom com star. He does romantic musical yeah. comedies. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I mean, I, I don't think he it, it's bad acting or anything because again, it oh yeah, no, it, it just unsettles but you. Just looking at his face sometimes is. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, one hour with you is a well. We just said it a rom com. Oh, you you remind me what it was. So about. it's about two people and they're married, and essentially, right, yeah, it's about yeah. it's about Andre and Colette. And Colette tells Andre Cheating. that her friend Mitzi is coming over, and he's not very excited. And then the next day he takes a taxi with someone and this woman flirts with him a bunch and he's like, oh, no, I have a wife, thank you, and he runs away. Uh, And it turns out that that woman was Mitzi. And she sort of keeps trying to flirt with him and he does his best to push her away. But in trying this, he inadvertently makes his wife think that he's cheating on her with another woman who isn't Mitzi. And Mm -hmm. Mitzi is pushing this. She's like, oh, yeah, no, he definitely is cheating on you with this other woman. Yeah. So at some point, Mitzi fucking sucks. So at some point, Mitzi finally breaks this man to the point where he's like, yeah, okay, all right, let's fuck. 
And Colette, who is so upset at this concept, also decides to just hook up with someone else because she's like, you know what? Mm. He's cheating. Uh, to be fair, she's... They didn't, they didn't hook up. She didn't entirely hook up. This is true. But she does kiss someone else. Yes, very excitedly. She doesn't... Very... It... It's very different, though, because he is at first kind of assaulting her. Yeah, he's he's like... very pushy about it, and she's sort of... Yeah. Again, it's, it's sort of the same thing with Mitzi, but she like what Mitzi's doing to Andre, except Andre is interested. He just doesn't want to do it because he's married, whereas Colette only becomes interested when she realizes that Andre is maybe cheating I on feel, her. Yeah, and I feel like even then, I think they kiss, but she never... She, she makes it... Well, we'll get to that, but I, I don't think they really did did much. They don't really they didn't really do anything, but she does very explicitly at some point just like she kisses him a couple times where she's just like, yeah, you know, mm. fuck it, this, this is what we're doing yeah. now. She doesn't go further than that, but then again, we don't know for a fact if Andre did go further than that either. Mm. It's implied, but it's it's heavily implied. I wouldn't. So <laughs> I I would I would have said heavily if not for the fact that he's. He's mostly honest about the whole thing, and he very honestly does... He does say, like, we didn't end up fucking. He lies. He lies. He went into her apartment for how many minutes was it? I think he was in her... In uh, Mitzi's uh, Two and a half hours. Two hours. Yeah. They were not doing nothing. Sorry. I'm not but... saying they weren't no. doing nothing. I'm just saying they might have just been kissing a bunch as well. No. You know? You don't know no. that. No, that's not... No. You don't know... That's not what happened. You don't know that? I'm so sorry. You don't know that. No, no I do know that. Even the husband came to him and was like, hey, uh, you were fucking my wife? <laughs> he did, yeah. So, because Mitzi also has a husband, by the way. And he was also, the husband, like Mitzi's husband comes up to him and goes, you were fucking my wife. This is fine. You know, <laughs> yeah. she she's the bitch here. I don't entirely. You just need to don't necessarily blame you, but like tell tell this in court. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come defend me in court for my divorce proceedings, and you've been forgiven. And it's like you know what? And yeah, but the guy's like, oh well, if I go to court, I might have to tell Colette as well. Yeah, I might, I might have to. Mm-hmm. I do like that he comes clean at the end, and she decides only to forgive him because she also comes clean. And they're like, I oh, I read this so differently. I had I was so upset with the ending. I didn't mind it as much here. It, it's very clearly still like you know, she's forgiving him for cheating on her. But at least this time it was like they both, you know. I really didn't read it as her cheating. I I, I saw that really as her being assaulted, and I I never saw that as a consensual thing. It so I did. Here's the thing, right? I saw that at first as well. But then I think after the first moment where I do agree it's assault, she then takes initiative twice. And that's where I was sort of like... Maybe, 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 but then I would still... And that doesn't justify it. Oh, no, I agree that doesn't... Even though he's in a very vulnerable moment. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like, yeah, I'm just just gonna go with your best friend, goodbye. And so to me, the, the ending read very much as he has cheated and admits it. She... She says she cheated and she pretends she cheated more than she actually did because she wants to be like the big girl that's like, well, you cheated. Well, so did I. This is true. She did. But to be fair. And then somehow they forgive each other because they're even, but they're not even at all. To be fair, if you want to, if you want to get really fucking technical about this, she cheats first. When? That moment. She cheats with him the moment he leaves in the cab because she thinks 
he's already cheated on her and she's been like cold and awful to him consistently because of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so see what you mean. if I you want to get at it I from a it's... purely tech, like I agree she thinks he's cheated on her and he decides to cheat on her later than that. It's still like it balances out or whatever. But if you want to get purely technical, she does cheat first. It depends on how you read it. I didn't read. I did, I I really thought she was just getting like this. This, this guy that um, a soldier is called Romeo, and to he's me, not called it was Romeo. Really... He calls himself Romeo. Oh, he's called Adolf. Oh, that's what. Oh, <laughs> fucking Adolf! I hate. He is such a creep. He oh my is God, such a awful. creep. He's so he is, creepy. He makes he, sorrow makes you look more beautiful younger. <laughs> But yeah, no, I don't know. For me, the thing that I wrote down in the end is I can't even begin to say how wrong this is. This man is cheating on her with with her best friend. To be fair, the best and friend somehow... is really initiating this. True, but I don't care. He, he's going... Oh, no, yeah, yeah, he is. And somehow she uses her assault to say, we're even now, and so they say together. How do you... I, but that's how I read it. I guess if you if you read Colette as cheating, then it makes much. It, it to sense me felt it's, more it's like so. It definitely felt like the the start of it was definitely assault. I'm not like, yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. fucked. Um, but it does very much seem like she's she in later in, in later in that scene she tries to sort of take yeah. that as like a, I'm going to cheat on you. I have this person here yeah. who is willing. And I'm taking uh, this is like a revenge. I'm I'm cheating on I you. I do recall her like calling Romeo back after he's trying to leave. I think. Yeah, and also uh, like she that, she yeah. like kisses him twice. I think in that scene after he does the mm. first forced kiss, she's yeah. like off. You know. I think. Yeah, so that's definitely wrong too. I say there's just a lot of wrong things yeah. going on, and I just do not agree with them staying together in the end. I guess. I because... so the reason I do agree with them staying together is because they're both bad people. Yeah, but in they, most of these movies, there's there's and, one person who's clearly a bad person, and then is like, oh, but I'll forgive uh, the good person's like, oh, I'll forgive true. you for being a bad. And they're here, they're like, nah, we we love each true. other, and we both are doing really evil shit yeah, to if, each other. If you're willing to cheat on each other and hurt each other that much, then do you really love each no. other? No, <laughs> I. It's just, it's not a it, it, the because of the ending. It doesn't feel that much like a love story anymore to me, which is fine. But then it's not a rom com. That's fair. Um, this is also just just to quickly, the woman who played this, Jeanette Anna McDonald. This is the same couple mm-hmm. from the Love Parade. It's both the same people. Really, I didn't. Re- yeah. I didn't recognize her. I only recognized. No, her. it's oh, it's God, her as well. This is bad. one of their movies that they did together. She's she's Colette. Yeah. Ah. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, that all being said, I did enjoy the comedy a lot in this one. I thought it was funny. I thought it was, was some good. good oh, laughs. I have some fucking quotes written down. <laughs> Starting at the top of the fucking movie, they're having this conversation in bed and he's like, he's trying to sleep. So she's like, oh, I haven't even told you who's coming to visit. And he's like, listen, in the morning, I want to hear all about this. But now I want to go to bed. Turns off the lights. Mm-hmm. She turns him back on and she goes, no, but it's Mitzi, my high school friend. And he goes, Oh, Mitzi! And turns the lights back off. And, mm-hmm. oh, it got me so fucking good. Mm-hmm. It was good. I also really like, there was one part where Mitzi is saying she's sick. And, um, what what's his name? What what's the main character? Andre. Andre. 
Andre goes to... Yeah, like, he he's does, a doctor. At first, he doesn't want to go to Mitzi, but he's a doctor. So there's kind of no excuse to not go help her out. So he, he ends up going. And then he readies a pill, which seems like he's going to give it to her. But you're kind of like, but she hasn't really... He's, he's an, it's not even a pill. He's like mixing like... Yeah, he's mixing shit. And you think, you know, that's the cure for her. But he downs it himself. Yeah. <laughs> because he just needs some... He's like, he mixing to alcohols together, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Another some of my favorites are when Andre is introduced to Mitzi's husband, Professor Oliver. They sort of stand at each other. They get introduced and they just go, yes. ah, 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 at each other a bit. And then like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then the professor says something and Mitzi goes, he's joking. And the professor goes, no, I have no sense of humor. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> it's I, the so comedy good. is really good in his movie. What has we got? Andre at some point tells Colette, if I tell you the truth, would you believe me? And she goes, no. No. <laughs> Which was really bad because that, if she'd said yes there, it might have solved everything. Yep. But, uh, okay. Adolf thinks it's a costume party, so yes. he's dressed as Romeo. And he goes to his butler like, why did you tell me it was a costume party? And the butler goes, oh, I did so wish to see you in tights. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And then there's when Andre's in the taxi with Mitzi. And he's like, he needs to get out of here. So he stops the taxi, he steps out, he comes back and he goes, Madam, you might think I'm a coward. I am. And then he walks yes, away. I took a screenshot of that one. It was good. <laughs> it was fantastic. Also, I like the music in this one. Probably the best out of the musicals yeah, we've watched so far. I agree. I, I These are good songs. I had, uh, I especially noted three times a day. I thought that was a great great little song i mean the context was still mitzi trying to <laughs> flirt with a married man but the, the song it was a banger yeah um, the song was a bop yeah <laughs> for dutchies ik word hier toch move on <laughs> i was just i was a little like oh are they gonna cheat again because a lot of these movies yeah. involve cheating and i was like eh. Um, there was some sexism, but it mostly just came from Romeo, who is already portrayed to be a creep. So it's not yeah. really the movie inherently. It's just it's portrayed badly as it should be. It it was just he was such a creep. He went well, as I said earlier. He said the thing about sorrow makes you look more beautiful younger, and then he said, "Bitch, said you're a woman. Women are born to be wrong." Yes, like, excuse me. And yeah. he says that like trying to flirt with. But he said he says that as like because to... she was like I was so wrong, and he goes no no. You know, women women are allowed to be wrong because you're a woman. You're born to be wrong. They are yeah, always wrong. And he dude. he says it so genuinely. And oh, he needs some help. In general, he needs some I help. Oh, but yeah, that that uh, that's all I had. Yeah, I I really like this one. Also, I think something this movie did really. It's such a small and smart solution to a problem we've consistently had, where it's like. Uh, they meet each other and then within a week they're in love and then the troubles start and it's like this movie just starts them off by already being married yeah and then the troubles start they've been married for three years we don't have to get through the whole freaking yeah yeah. just do that more often i think this yeah i i really like this movie i get that Oh, and something nice to mention is there is a lot of fourth wall breaking in this movie because the main character, Andre, a lot of the time will turn to the camera, to the audience and kind of explain like, oh, my wife is now mad at me. (laughs) Yeah, he does this a lot. Yeah, do a few sentences and then move on, which which was really interesting. And the first time we've had a fourth wall break, I think. Yeah, I did really like that. Yeah, it was good. So you want some uh, fun facts on this one? Yeah, give, give me some facts. So... It's a movie based on a movie based on a play. 
<laughs> of course. Wow. Are there... Have we had any originals? Uh, this is a good question, and I don't immediately know for sure. Hmm. No, but this one was based... It's a musical remake of The Marriage Circle from 1924, which was based on a play called Only a Dream. Uh, and The Marriage Circle, it, which was its original title, is The Ring of Infidelities, central to the plot. That's how it's mm-hmm. the circle. So that makes a lot of sense as a title. Yeah. It's one of the first musicals to be based on a film okay. rather than on... So that's pretty interesting. It was one of the few films of that time to show a married couple sharing a bed. Yeah, I, I was that... I, I like remember when you mentioned that to be one of the things in A's go to tread carefully with. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> there we yep, go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. A French language of the film, like French language version of the film was filmed simultaneously but because both Marie Chevalier and Jeanette McDonald's, uh, McDonald's, sorry, are French or speak French fluently, they just played the same parts. Nice. They just did the movie Good. twice. The only other media project that I know of that did the same thing was Norsemen or Vikingane, which filmed all of its scenes first in Norse and then in English. Damn. This is one of only 16 films to be nominated for Best Picture and nothing else. Okay, okay. In fact, half of the best film nominees from this Academy Awards are on that list. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense with the other fact of, like, um, the two movies at most. Yeah. I've specifically not been confirming, like, whether they've been nominated for all Mm -hmm. of them. Because, you know, we have a guessing game going. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, about half of them were only nominated for Best Picture. Damn. So, production fact on this film is that it was mostly directed by Ernst Lubitsch who was originally scheduled to direct the whole thing, but then he was unable to direct because his previous film, The Man I Killed, went beyond schedule, so instead they got George Cukor. But within two weeks after filming had begun, conflicts between Cukor and Maurice Chevalier brought Lubitsch back. Oh. Although Cukor remained on set because Chevalier and Cukor did not get along. Hmm. I think Cukor did some really famous other movies, though. Probably. I'll quickly double-check this. Didn't he do Shanghai Express? I'm not sure. He did... He did... Something. I'll quickly check. Uh, anyway, they each demanded sole credit for directing, and it was litigated in court. But before a judgment was rendered, Cooker received a credit for assisting in direction, and he received the right to break his contract with Paramount so he could direct mm-hmm. uh, another movie at RKO. Nice. George Cooker directed uh, My Fair Lady. He also directed Little Women, apparently. Crazy. Oh. So, yeah. I think that moves us on to our next movie, which is the Shanghai Express. The Shanghai Express, yes. Um, this is a movie with also a little bit of an ensemble cast, I'd say. There are some kind of main characters, but there is definitely a spread out a range of characters. Um, and basically, they're going on to the train from Peking to Shanghai. Yeah. And they're... It's kind of iffy because... Um, There's a civil war going on, yeah. Is going on, so it's like, oh, are we gonna make it at all? Um, not so easily because halfway through the train is stopped, and they find out that one of the passengers we've been watching uh, has been a resistance captain all along, and he's yeah. like, I'm gonna take one of you as a hostage so that I can get one person from my army that's being held hostage back. Yeah, yeah, and then there's this love story uh, between the main woman and, and the main man, yeah, and the main man. I was very pleasantly surprised by this movie because it is a movie mostly set in China, all about China, and it's very not racist. No. 
Like, no. very not racist. There's no. real Chinese names. There's no crazy Chinese accents going on. And nope. as far as I could tell, I'm a bit rusty, but as far as mm-hmm. I could tell, there was actual Mandarin spoken in the movie. Not like made up noises. I would not be able to tell you, but it, overall, yeah, I can say that it did bad in that department. It also starred Anime Wong. Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. Oh my god. <laughs> For the, she was considered the first Chinese American film star in Hollywood, and her mm-hmm. character as well was like, just she was just a a human. She was a and regular a person. Yeah, she was a fucking badass, and she wasn't like you know any sort of Asian stereotype. She yeah. was just cool. She was just yeah a vibe. So for the nineteen thirties, well done, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I I like this movie. I I really like this. Didn't one. Yeah. like it as much as some others we watched, but it it was by no means bad. Yeah, this is more of a middle of the road one for me either, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's the role really does good. this thing again a little bit with where the main characters don't communicate, and I think they're giving reasons for that. I just didn't they are, completely yeah. understand them, so I think essentially that's more on me than on a movie. Yeah, essentially they were dating five years ago, mm-hmm. but then she played a trick on him to sort of see if he was really in love with her, but it backfired and he left her. Shanghai Lily, by the way, and. Shanghai Lily Doctor, and Doctor. Doc Harvey. Doc, yeah. So essentially she's like, I am still madly in love with you because, you know, I never planned for you to leave me five years ago. That mm-hmm. was an accident. And he very clearly also cares about her, but he hasn't forgiven her for this whole thing. Yeah. And this is another way to get around the whole, oh, they just met and now they're deeply in love. It's like, these yeah. are people that just have a history. And that's why also... they're so invested in each other. It's more so after that that I don't understand. And they also, I think she gives a reason when being asked why she isn't communicating. But he's the hostage because he's a doctor and he is going to heal like someone important at the end of the The uh, governor general. Yeah. And like the, what is, who's the main bad guy? Chang. Chang, yeah. He is going to take his eyes, take his eyesight just before releasing him because they have made a deal. But he is angry at him because Chang wanted to be with the Shanghai lady, uh, Lily, but she didn't want that because she is clearly in love with Doctor, blah, blah, yeah. blah. In the end, she, Shanghai Lily, is like, I'll stay with Chang, I'll stay with you, I'll go with you, but don't take Doc's eyesight. Yeah. And so they do that. But then, badass Huifei? Huifei, yeah. Wei Fei. Wei Fei. Wei Fei. <laughs> I'm so sorry if I mispronounce that. She is a badass and murders Chang. <laughs> and so Shanghai Lily can just go back onto the train and Doc is kind of angry at her because why the fuck did you want to go with Chang? And she doesn't explain to him that it was to save him and I don't understand why. She essentially says, I've broken his trust and saying this, it's just going to be, regardless of whether it's true or not, it's an excuse. And I, mm. I need him to trust me for him to be in love with me. Like, he, he needs mm. he needs to have faith okay. for there to be love. And in the end, he does go to her and is just like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I trust you. Okay. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that, but I I like that at least it's not just... just oh, yeah, no. It's like there's, there is reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, Shanghai Lily, what an outfit. She is like, she has, at the beginning of the movie uh, specifically, she has like this feather thing going on. It's like... It's a good outfit. It's a damn good outfit. Um, It's a damn good outfit. They keep saying, all aboard, which, sorry, but in this month, 
all aboard all aboard gossip train like i just and it kept saying and then i kept thinking about yeah i get that shanghai lily by the way played by marlene dietrich um Mm -hmm. who's also a pretty big name yeah and also they did some very clear uh shots of her being you know pretty Mm. um but she is pretty she is pretty. She is pretty. But like, I think this is one of those movies specifically where they use those techniques to uh, make it a little bit not unfocused, but uh, you know what I mean, like a little yeah, yeah, shimmery, you know, to make her look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's giving a little bit uh, before, mostly before they stop the train. It gave me a little bit of triangle of sadness because it's a, l- a bunch of rich people on a train, and it is sometimes kind of making fun of that. Like, it, it, I wouldn't call it a comedy, but it is definitely making some comments about these people uh being sometimes like there's this lady who only cares about her dog and and the dog has to go into another compartment and she's just yeah. like no my dog and it, it, i don't know it's it, yeah. yeah there's definitely some lighter sort of plot lines on top of the heavy like kidnapping stuff yeah um and then yeah i think the the biggest problem i had with this movie that i didn't really see the charisma and i just didn't really care about the romance between shanghai lily and the doctor like it's it's mm-hmm. not I, I can see that it's supposed to be there, but I just didn't feel it. So I didn't really care about it either. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Let's see. I have two quotes from this. There's one where Shanghai Lily and Doc are talking. And he's like, if I could... It, Doc is like, if I could take the last five years back, I would. And Shanghai Lily says, there's only one thing from those five years that I wouldn't have done. Bob my hair. <laughs> yep. Which is a fucking mood. Uh, and then I have one where Chang is talking and he says, the Chinese government would have had my head long ago if it hadn't been such a good head. Yep. And yeah, so, no, he's right. It was a pretty good head. It was. <laughs> Do you have any, uh, any notes? Nope, that was it. Cool. Then I think fun facts. Yep. Sick. Interesting, interesting little, uh, funky little fun facts. It was sort of based on a real story. In 1923, a Shandong warlord captured the Shanghai to Beijing express train and took 25 Westerners and 300 Chinese people hostage. And an entirely different story, but like, mm-hmm. you know, the basis. Yeah. Very few Chinese actors appear in the film, but it's done in a very natural way because it's it, it's it's a train full of not Chinese people. So yeah. it, it makes sense. It's also just because apparently they just didn't have a lot of Chinese people in LA where where the movie was filmed, yep, which makes kind of sense. Makes some sense, yes. The movie has a very specific portrayal of Reverend Carmichael and the depiction of a Chinese revolution. So the Paramount Studio heads were very concerned about the Hayes office keeping a very close watch on this film, mm-hmm. but they they managed to to get pretty much all of it through. Okay. So that was pretty good. Uh, it was initially banned in China. But they lifted that ban when Paramount pledged to them that they wouldn't make another film involving Chinese politics. So, okay, thank you, China. Very nice. It was the director's intention to have the style of the film reflect the rhythm of a train journey, which is why it's very staccato and, and tightly paced. Mm-hmm. It was the highest grossing film of 1932. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay, okay, I uh, can see that. Yeah. The price of a, a Shanghai Express ticket was $35, which translates to about $740. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I was close. It wasn't Mandarin, but they do speak actual Cantonese. 
Okay. They they would have been speaking Mandarin if the film was more accurate, but most of the Chinese residents they could find in Los Angeles uh, spoke Cantonese, so they right. had to use okay. Cantonese. It's one of Freddie Mercury's favorite films. Oh, nice. Good to know. The black and white leather gloves that uh, Marlene Dietrich wears at the start of the film, those were custom made for the movie. Wow. So that Yeah, that's pretty cool. So the movie was directed by Josef von Sternberg, and Josef and Marlene Dietrich had been carrying on an affair for most of their films Ooh. together. Yes, they did, I think, seven films together. This was oh. their most, like, biggest financial success. This affair didn't restrict Dietrich because she also had liaisons with other co-stars like Gary Cooper mm. and Maurice Chevalier. Oh! Yes. Yo. Yeah. But this film was initially clouded by a lawsuit which was instigated by von Sternberg's wife. So that made that made the uh, the working atmosphere a bit tense. Not that great. Mm. Yeah, to the point where von Sternberg was so stressed that he shouted continually to the extent that he lost his voice. Oh. Yes. Well, then you can't shout anymore, at least. No, that's true. Uh, Marlene Dietrich, who is, you know, going at it with her co-stars, there's a little rumor floating around. It's never been confirmed, mm-hmm. but it was heavily rumored that she was having an affair with Anna May Wong. Ayo! Ayo, indeed. Ayo! Yas Queens. Play? Well, it's still an affair. I oh, it's, oh, no, it's still an affair. It's still absolutely <laughs> bad, but also, <laughs> you know, gotta cheer on the gays. Mm. Especially, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. Anime Wong, I understand. Mm. Mm. I understand. Mm-hmm. Have you mm-hmm. seen this woman? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, no, I get it. No, I get right? It. Yeah, okay. No, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> Um, that's pretty much it. I have one more fun little fact, uh, yes. which is I need to very quickly look up who exactly he portrayed because I don't want to get this wrong. And, oh, right. Okay. So Doc, uh, the guy who played Doc, Clive Brook, he was already usually pretty stone-faced, but apparently mm-hmm. he had a recent facelift, which gave him an even more expressionless oh, appearance no. in the oh. film. <laughs> that's beautiful. Oh, yep. God. Uh, so that's all the, the fun facts I've got on Shanghai Express. Well, then we only have one more movie to discuss. One more movie to talk about, and it's The Smiling Lieutenant. It's The Smiling Lieutenant, which is the second musical rom-com with Maurice Chevalier movie. And also Charles Ruggles, who was um, who was Romeo in, in the first one. Was he in there? Oh, he was in this, he, right? He was, he was in the start uh, what's of his it. face? Yeah. Yeah, he was the friend that immediately yeah. got duped and then never immediately came back, got but, yeah. Um I was I was very worried about this one because mm-hmm. this is the one I watched most recently. And yeah, up to this same. point, every single movie that I'd I'd watched for this was good. And I <laughs> So you it. were like one of them is and gonna I was be like, bad. There has <laughs> to be a bad one, and I'm very glad there wasn't. I strongly enjoyed this one. I not so much. <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't like it as much as the one hour review. Some of the others, yeah. But I do. I, this is for me. There's a trend here with I like the I like the rom com. I, I I like the com, and I I but I don't, don't like, like the, the rom. rom. Yeah. And I, I did also think this movie songs weren't as good. That I, I agree especially with. dislike the ratatata song or whatever was going on there. It at the towards the end it annoyed the fuck out of me. I was like, shut the fuck up with your ratatata. I 
I really liked the the consistent like the it coming back every now and again because it was oh. actively annoying and I think that was like intended. Yeah, maybe, but it was so often and it, <laughs> basically there's just a song and it's it's just I didn't like it to start with and then it keeps coming back and it's no, no, no. No. No, that's fair. It's a very no. annoying fucking song. Um yeah, this was the movie where I kind of started noticing that I'm not that big of a Chevalier uh, fan, as in I can see that he's talented, I can see why people like him. I, I just, I'm, I'm a little bit, I don't know, creeped out sometimes. I, I kind of get that. He's, fa- he's a very physical actor. Yeah, um, mostly that... his, his face sometimes does things that human faces don't do, but that's because it's, you know, a rom-com. It's, it's supposed to be a yeah. little exaggerated. But, um... Yeah, it's it's about this guy. It's Maurice Chevalier plays Nikki. Nikki and his friend who is played by Charles Ruggles, Romeo from the other. He he's like, I have this girl and I really like her. Very specifically he goes, I am married, but I like this other woman, but I don't want to be seen alone with her in public. Come with so me. So are you gonna come with me? And Nikki's and like Maurice yeah. Chevalier's character goes and you think I will lend myself to such an intrigue? Stays silent for two seconds and goes, "Let's yes. go." <laughs> yes, and uh, then he steals the girl. Uh, the the, guy, yeah. the other guy is never to be seen again. He just steals no. the fucking girl and that. that, that yeah, Franzi, uh, Franzi, the girl is super not interested in this friend. She's like, "Oh, Nikki is the the man for me." Yeah, and so uh, wait, what was her name? Um, Nikki or Franzi. Franzi, yeah. So they they get together. Nikki and Franzi, they love each other. They're great yeah. together. But then the king and his daughter, the princess from Fulhamstum, Flausenturm, they come into the country and they pass by in the like parade. And yeah, how dare he? Nikki smiles at her. Yeah, but he, he do- smiles he at the princess. He doesn't. He smiles well, no. at Franzi and winks at her. But at that point, accidentally. Yeah, the princess comes by in her carriage. I really did like this part because oh, this so started good. the whole. Uh, this started shit because you um. cannot smile at a princess. Like, yeah, what are you doing? That's offensive. And so he mm-hmm. needs to come over to the palace to like explain himself. And the yeah. only way he can get out of this is by going. Well, I just I was so in love with the princess. I she was just so pretty. She's so pretty, and he does not like this princess at all, but she is now in love with him, so now they they have to get married. Like What I really married. like is the fact that she goes into this going, he smiled at me, we will behead him. He walks in yeah. and goes, oh no, I just thought she was really pretty, and then she goes, I must marry him at <gasps> oh once! <laughs> to be fair, I hated the character of Anna, but oh, Anna's a yeah, princess. I hated Anna as well, but I oh, really liked the fact that she was because this was very intentionally portrayed as her being just a dumbass. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, so they have to marry now because she wants to marry, so he doesn't yeah. have a choice. And then you know, sad for Francie has to leave, and they're sad. And mm-hmm. they meet up against during the marriage. He is still only in love with Francie. He do- he does not really want to have anything to do with the princess with Anna. But um, you know, Francie and Anna end up meeting each other, and they uh, they don't they only they don't end up meeting each other by accident. Like no, essentially, no. Francie comes to Flausenbrunn to be like, oh, I want to see Nikki. And they yeah. rekindle their sort of romance, and then Anna is like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this bitch." Mm-hmm. And instead of like, instead Getting of it being bitch. like a big fight, they both start crying. And Francie goes, "Oh, you're actually so deeply in love with this guy. Here, I'm gonna sex you up. I'm gonna teach you how to seduce this man yeah. because clearly you are a hopeless fucking cause." Yeah. 
and yeah, she ends up she ends up helping Anna just mm-hmm. seduce Nikki, which you know what, girl power, and also also yeah. Anna and Franzi kiss. This is great. I feel like really? polyam they kiss. Yeah, it's more of like a you know the thing that they do where they kiss normally, like mm-hmm. say goodbye to people. Right. But still, I, I was like, even... you know what. Polyamory would have solved this movie's problems very efficiently. I didn't even I didn't even notice anymore because it happens so often. But, That's uh, fair. The song is called "Jazz Up Your Lingerie" as well, which is really which funny. is ugh, it's stupid. It's really stupid, but it's really funny. I I don't know. This one also to me read as I did the the female characters are not well. Francie is fine. Anna no. Anna. And then also the fact that when they end up meeting, that they both start crying hysterically. And also, I it's not like I I guess girl power as they help each other, but they're both in love with the same men, and it's good that it doesn't end up in, in a cat fight. That would have been worse. Well, they but they they hit they hit each other, which is why they start crying. Yes, I know. And then and did I hurt you? No, did I hurt you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good, but um, I don't know. It also felt a little bit illogical to me that uh, I don't know. Like, it's it's more often with these movies. Like, I I see how Francie would give up. Yeah. Her her man. I I see that happening, but it's so fast again. Like she comes visit this princess, immediately likes her, and immediately is like, okay, fine. Yeah. Fine, you can have Nikki. And that just felt. And then and then she sings a song to her about how she needs to get more sexy lingerie. Like, um, please, please. <laughs> To be fair, I I do want to read into the subtext of that a little bit. I don't think it was necessarily, you know, oh, sex yourself up. And it was just more of a, you know, let loose a little bit. You're very yeah, clearly true. very stuck in your ways. And these are not the ways that are going to win you the man you're in love with. Just let it loose. Play some funky music instead of classical music. Wear some underwear that doesn't go down to your ankles. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fair. I don't think this one that was was too bad when it comes to the ending. I, I yeah, I, this all, this but... ending actually you know worked with the rest of the movie, which is nice for once. I think I might have also just been in a bad mood watching this movie. I'm not sure, but I just I got I, the Ratata song every like that's, that's my fair. last notice. I also hate the Ratata song, and then ah, <laughs> I think I was going slightly crazy. I, um, I do like that she Ratata back at him at the end when he's doing his final little song. She Ratata's oh, at him from the bedroom. Yeah. Great stuff. And the king also ratatas at some point. Mm-hmm. And it's not great. And it, also, I didn't like how he's madly in love with Fritzi. Uh, Fritzi? Fr- Fritzi? Yes, Franzi. I, I put her down as Fritzi. Okay, <laughs> Franzi. And, but Franzi leaves, uh, leaves him a note that goes like, oh, we really have to go- say goodbye now, but um, you should check out your wife. She's actually great. And yeah, he checks out his wife and he it's like he forgets Franzi so quickly. Like, <sighs> I do, yeah. To be fair, I agree that it's way too fast. But she does very explicitly leave him the guard to be like, "Hey, you know, I gave you one of these to remember me by. Now I'm giving you this to forget me by. It's done." Yeah, I I really like the note itself. Yeah. It was great. I am um, severely not coming back. Let it the yeah. fuck go. Go be with your wife, who you are. You know, you're gonna be with yeah. her because otherwise you're gonna get beheaded. So so yeah. find a way to make this work. I do appreciate yeah. that he he. <laughs> so this scene, that he goes up, he drinks alcohol, then goes down and he sees the princess, you know, letting loose, playing some jazzy music, mm-hmm. and he goes back upstairs, and sniffs the bottle to see if it was like laced with anything or if he's hallucinating. Yeah. yeah. And then when he realizes he isn't, he takes another sip and fucking goes for it. I I like that a lot. But to be fair, I also I also think with the Anna character letting loose. 
part of me is like, yeah, let loose a little. And on the other hand, it sounds like another one of those, oh, women need to let loose, you know, in the 1930s. Like, I don't know. What if mm. what if she liked not being loose? Like, there to, was be no fair, to be fair, no, no, no. I think there was the indication that she, de- she didn't really like it that much because she was just like... I think she she says a few times, like, I don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. I have been very much just raised in this palace, and I want to do different things, but she doesn't Mm. know where to start with these different things. I didn't really, but I could have missed those, to be fair. So That's fair, yeah. No, she does say it a couple times where she's like, I'm, I'm... It's very much the, oh, I'm a princess fine. stuck in a palace type thing. Mm, right. And also right. she's just, because of this, a very naive woman. Yeah, true, true. She's very, she she just is very young, I'd say. She mm, doesn't really, yeah. she needs to learn a few things. Um, I, also, <laughs> I also said, I like the change of the king and everyone constantly calling Nikki, you son of a gun, uh, you son of a gun. And him, when they are married, the king changed it to you son-in-law instead of you son of a gun. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. I also put, I'm warming up to this movie towards the end. I just don't like the main characters, which is kind of problematic if you're trying to. Yeah, it's a, a bit of an but, issue. But um, yeah, I wrote down at the end. Somebody, she, the, the princess was like, "Oh yeah, I know how to play an instrument," and immediately Nikki was more interested. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wrote down, "Can confirm, girls who play instruments are more attractive than <laughs> girls who don't." this Check. fact of the Check. universe i've also written down a few quotes i've written down they had a conversation nikki and franzi at some point where he was like do you want to meet for dinner and she was like oh we can meet for tea and he was like do you want to meet for breakfast and she's like no 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 first we have tea then we have dinner and then maybe we can have mm-hmm. breakfast which i thought mm-hmm. was such a smooth fucking line yes but then they did start with breakfast yeah and it then... was really cool because at the end they Ended it off with um, yeah, basically the... Fancy go like honest like I'm so sorry. What about you now though? And she's like, it's okay. I always knew this. Girls who start with breakfast never stay. And yeah, never like, stay oh. for dinner. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Like really good line. Yeah, I have two more quotes. Both. This is essentially one conversation. This is a conversation right at the start where his friend Max comes up to him and goes, "You must help me. I'm a married man." And Nikki replies, "Then get a divorce." <laughs> <laughs> wow damn that went quick that went so, down real quick yeah and they're having this little conversation where he's like oh yeah I, you know i've I met this girl francie yada yada and nikki goes so i know what's going on you're crazy about another girl and you don't know what to do and max goes yes and nikki goes then don't do it <laughs> which uh-huh. yeah really good uh-huh. i really like that this movie is very actively anti-cheating which is usually not True. the case Let's see. I had some quotes. I don't remember what they were, though. Um, the guy... I, Nikki. Nikki goes to the palace and he's, like, trying to explain why he smiled at the princess. And at first, he's just kind of sucking up to the king. Just mm-hmm. kind of... And there's a bunch of women randomly sitting there. Well, they're the judges, I think. Um, but yeah. they immediately fall in love with him so badly that he... The king asks him to spell... Oh, fucking what 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 is the name of the country? Lausenstrom Flausenturm 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 Um and and he spells it correctly and the woman go, What a speller. He <laughs> yeah. certainly knows his alphabet. Like this is super seductive or something. Like, oh, oh yeah. What's going on? We love a man who knows how to spell. And then finally, um I screenshotted the final letter that Francie gave to Nikki, because I really liked the way they uh, she wrote it. 
by accident I saw your wife. It uh, well, it was P.S. The P.S. is by accident I saw your wife. It may interest you to know that she is a blonde and very charming, which is very nice because earlier yeah. he was trying to convince Francie that he didn't like the princess by saying I don't even know what her hair color is. Yeah, but, you know. Francie yeah, it's really like. good. Yeah. So yeah, good and bad things uh, about this movie for me. Mm. Do we have some? Do we have some uh, little little facty facts? We do, in fact, have some fun facty facts. There was uh, an ongoing copyright dispute with this movie, um, so this movie remained out of circulation for years and was considered lost. lost. Yeah, until a print was discovered in Denmark in the nineteen nineties, and I'm very glad it was because I really, really like this movie. Um, lost the television series more like lost the amount of movies we've watched <laughs> for real dude <laughs> oh man so um Mir- miriam hopkins who played princess anna uh was also ivy in yes in jekyll and hyde, jekyll and hyde. Uh, f- her first two movies ever this was her second film ever and she was still paid the pricely a princely sum of a fifteen hundred dollars a week you can tell that it's her first movies Mm. So she's sorry. yeah yeah no no she's still definitely sort of getting getting like into the whole thing but you know get paid get get that get that oh yeah bag i mean get the yas queen get that bag mm. abbott and costello have a caveat with this movie who abbott and costello what do we know him from you, a- abbott and costello they are like a, a comedy duo no you're just making things up, Treasure I'm... Island. <laughs> how do you... So... How do you know... <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. Abbott and Costello, they're, they're, a famous, they're a famous 40s comedy duo. Uh, and they, and they cameoed in this movie uh, during the musical performance about 8 minutes and 50 seconds in. They're in this. Sick. Okay, that's, that's, good. that's good. People, people, people will like this fact. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, Did you like this fact? Let us. Know yeah, let us the know. There's no below. comments, but let us know anyway. <laughs> um, this this movie, even though it like it did really well, it, it, it advanced ticketing at its engagement in New York sold out immediately. Uh, it was the 10th most popular movie in 1931, and Paramount's biggest grossing film. Like, it did really good. There was a mm. French version, uh, again, because all the leading actors spoke French, so they just did that as well. Mm-hmm. And had that really well as well. But, the but movie was... Lost? Oh, it was... No, 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 it was just oh, not a lot of... Oh, we already went through that, sorry. Yeah. Uh, there was not a lot of film, like, fun on set. I'll, I'll read mm. the exact Wikipedia wording. This film was not made under pleasant circumstances. Oof. Essentially, they shifted to new studios in New York, which, like, it felt very confined. There was a lot of difficult shit going on. Ernst Lubitsch, the director, was in the middle of divorce proceedings because his wife had had an affair with his friend, uh, who he, he, like, his friend and screenwriting partner. Mm. Miriam Hopkins and Claudette Colbert, both of the female leads, it proved problematic for them working together because both of them insisted on being photographed from the same angle as being their oh. good angle. And if they have a scene together, that doesn't work. Uh, and the That's director, so good. It's good, right? I love that. And the director actively encouraged this dispute because the rivalry suited their characters. Oh my god. And also, Maurice Chevalier uh, 
was having a really tough time with this film. The, I, I fully understand being creeped out by him in this one mm-hmm. because he described it himself as being smiles and cute winks of the eye, a purely mechanical display of technique because his mother mm. recently died. Um, so all of his jaunty stuff, he was not feeling very jaunty. He also became estranged mm-hmm. from his wife around the same time. So this was literally just him mechanically going through. Oh my God. You know, I'm such a good film watcher. I could tell. Mm, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. You could yeah. totally tell. Yeah. 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 Well, this was the one movie where this started. It's where, yeah. Mm-hmm. I told you, this is the movie where it started bothering me. I'm, I'm, I'm so good at yeah. film analysis, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah totally mm-hmm. so um yeah and then there's the so the, a thing that's mr lubich has a thing called the lubich touch and it's that's used to describe the visual comment or joke that is like a, a signature with him essentially what it is is you have a joke you feel satisfied and then there's another big joke on top of it and that's called mm. the lubich touch right. and apparently for this movie this was the ultimate super joke because at the end of the film the wrong girl gets the man Aha. So, Fair. we got pranked. Eh, prank. Eh, prank. <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, that's The Smiling Lieutenant. That's all we've got on that. Wow, that's our nine movies. That was quite a trip, quite a journey. Yes. Um. So, yeah. do you want to play the guessing game? Before we go yes. on to the honorary awards and winners, there was one movie in here which, um, as I said, there there was two films not nominated for Best Picture that received more nominations than the winner. Mm-hmm. And one of those movies is a movie we've watched out of these nine. Which one do you think it is? Okay, so more nominations than a winner. Yeah. Um, was it also nominated for Best Picture no, or not at all? It was okay, not okay. nominated, but it did get more nominations than the Okay, winner. so then it wasn't Aerosmith because that was... Yeah. Um, I confirmed that one as, as nominated. Yes, I don't think Batgirl is it either. I can't imagine that that had, like it was it was fine, but I don't think it had that many different kind of crazy things going on. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think: is there like something that ha- was really good in you know specifically cinematography and art design or so? Is is art already like uh... uh the the awards that you could be nominated for are outstanding production or best picture, best director, mm-hmm. best actor, best actress. Best Original Story, Best Adaptation, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Sound Recording, and then the short subjects, but those are not... Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Um, what do we have left? I don't think it's the musicals either. Those two musicals in one nomination, in both in Best Picture nomination category is kind of a lot. Maybe it's one of the musicals. I don't think it's Jekyll and Hyde. Could be the five-star final... Or Grand Hotel. It also had a lot of good things going on. Hmm. I'll go. I'll go for one of the musicals because they're so similar. But any specific one? Um, I'll go for. Hmm. I'll go for the Smiling Lieutenant. You would be wrong. Um. The movie that uh, got more nominations than the Best Picture winner is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Really? Okay, Wasn't nominated okay, okay. for Best Picture. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I could have gotten that because I was like, 
what movie would Tiho want to like specifically watch outside? I could have known it was Jekyll and Hyde because that's yeah. the title. That makes this sense was one too. that was like it was nominated for best actor and best adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I know like how groundbreaking the effects were, when I saw that fun fact of like it has won, it got more nominations than the winner. I was like, oh, yeah, this is like a good reason to. It makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Okay, really interesting. Well. So we yeah, know who our not best picture nominations are? Um, indeed. Do we have any honorable mentions? We do indeed. Uh, we have an honorary award, and then uh, some 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 honorable mentions that are interesting. You know, we've we've mentioned quite a few during this mm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna start with the honorary award because the honorary award this year went to Walt Disney for the creation of Mickey Mouse. Which, mm. if that doesn't make perfect sense, yeah. I don't know what does. What is interesting is that Mickey Mouse didn't actually win uh, any of the shorts awards this year. Oh. I mean, to be fair, he would have only been like for cartoon short subject, but he didn't win. The short subject cartoon went to another Disney production, uh, which is in fact an honorable mention because it is called Flowers and Trees, and it is the first full color three strip Technicolor film and the first color film Disney ever did. Damn. So that's 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 pretty impressive. Beyond that, other interesting movies that came out this year that might be worth mentioning. Uh, I think we've already mentioned Little Caesar and uh, Frankenstein more specifically because we're talking, you know, June to June to to, to August. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huckleberry Finn is a movie that that came out um, this year based on the novel. I I'm gonna guess that you don't know the novel. No. No, I figured it's it's another one of those really just like really famous novels that mm. everyone knows. Um, mm-hmm. Like Treasure Island. Like Treasure Island, yes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not over it. How do you? Not know? Um. So there's a few interesting ones. Uh, Alexander Hamilton came out this year, which Alexander is Alexander a... Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. Yes, yes, based on the 1917 play Hamilton by George Arliss. No. You know George Arliss, no. uh, who played um, yeah, I that night who I played Disraeli. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> Arliss also played Alexander Hamilton in this. Mm. So there's a there's a thing here about writers writing stuff about Alexander Hamilton and then playing him in, in their specific. This was the uh, in this year the the first sound version of uh, Alice in Wonderland came out. That's impressive. Okay. That's pretty well, cool. Starring nice. Ruth Gilbert as Alice. Mm-hmm. A movie called Matahari came out, which only is interesting Mata because of Matahari. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, the highest grossing movie of the year of, in 1932 was uh, The Sign of the Cross, which yeah, uh, is uh, uh, based on the novel Covadis. Uh, and it's about, the, about you know, Rome, uh, the great fire of Rome and, and mm. Nero and uh, the, the whole that. thing. Yeah, pretty cool. I like me some Roman stuff bunch of interesting like this is when sort of like freaky horror stuff started coming out mm-hmm. so there was a movie here called vampire uh which had a delayed Yo. release in germany open to generally negative reception from audience oh. and critics but modern critical reception of the film has become much more favorable with critics oh. praising the film's disorienting visual effects and atmosphere oh, oh. so oh. i might have a, you might have a good uh, have good a, good funky little german vampire movie to watch if you feel a, like it See at that. Yeah, Criterion even did a did a Blu-ray release. You can watch it in high quality. Yo, crazy. 
Um, Last of the Mohicans came out. I'm presuming you also have never no. heard of this. No. It's it's also it's another really famous novel that they adapted like as a as a movie serial. It's <laughs> a serial. It's Island. it's twelve chapters. They made this. It's like two hundred and thirty one minutes of Last of the Mohicans. Uh -huh. God damn it! But yeah, no, that's that's pretty much uh, all the honorable mentions we have. Really. All right. Then on to our final segment, guys. What what would be? Uh, do we want to do a top eight or top nine? Do we involve Jack and Hyde? I'm gonna say top eight because that's what we've very yeah. consistently done. Yeah. But I do want to say that Jekyll and Hyde probably would have made the top three, for me. Mm, I don't think it would have for me, but it's it's by no means a bad movie. It's a good more movie. so for me for the for not so much for the plot because the plot was very basic, mm. but more so for the aesthetics, the art. The, uh, yeah. uh, the art of it, the character work, the the effects. Yeah. The you know it it was yeah. genuinely an impressive thing. And yeah, it, it was really it, innovating. It held up like the, most yeah. of the effects. I was still like, "Oh, this would still I would still find this fairly impressive if done today." Yeah, like especially yeah. that first transformation. I yeah, I would still think that's a good transformation now. Like yeah, I, absolutely yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, let's let's do a little top eight. I I would yeah. have to I would have to take a little bit of a look because I I never do this beforehand which would make it faster but you always tend to convince me yeah the, the, that some movies are better than they actually than i thought they were initially so it's, I it's the same with you as well I, I i like discussing these movies puts them in a different perspective for me yeah, right exactly so like i liked five star final a lot more after how excited you were about it mm, yeah exactly i i might have to put Smiling Lieutenant, the lowest, but I think it's mostly because I was in a bad mood when I watched it. But my last notes are just, ugh, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for me, so the thing is, it's really difficult for me to pick a worst one because I yeah, don't because think you like these, I like yeah. them all. Yeah, but I think if I have to pick one that I like the least, it's probably... Uh... Probably the champ. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, I think number seven for me would be Aerosmith. Actually, yeah, I was gonna put Aerosmith on seven as well. Yeah, and then the champ would be my number six. I think. I think my number six. Yeah, it, it look like I really like the Smiling Lieutenant, but out of all of the ones here, it it goes in number six. Yeah. Actually, no. My number six would be Shanghai Express, and then Champ will be five. Oh, really? Yeah, I liked. I I I didn't think Shanghai Express was like it was. It was. It was good. And like I I didn't really dislike any of these movies. But, maybe. But have you? But have you considered uh, anime? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not enough. <laughs> it is for me. God damn it! Uh, bad girl. Bad girl is going in five for me. Mm-hmm. And um, then I'll I will put Shanghai Express in in uh, four. No, yeah. are we at four yet? Wait, I think you missed number because I did. Uh, I did a little switch around where I put uh, Shanghai Express at six and then the Champ at five. So oh yeah, so then uh, your number six would be would be Smiling Lieutenant, and then Shanghai Express is five. Yeah, and then my four would be uh... no Bad Girl is five. Shanghai Express is four still four right yeah my four would be uh ooh. 
Hmm, it's a close one, but I think also bad girl. Yeah, yeah. bad girl. Okay, top three time. We still have the same three movies left, I think. Yes. Yes. I think they'll be in different order. Yeah, I think they'll be in a very different order. Um, because I think... And I, I need, like... All three of these movies very easily could have mm -hmm. taken it. Like, this yeah. is just purely personal preference. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put Five Star Final on three. Yeah, I get that. Uh, my three would be One Hour With You, because I still yeah. have some things... Some things... Yeah, that makes sense. One Hour With You is my number two. Yeah, my like my one number one and two, Five Star Final and Grand Hotel, both I thought were really great. And I, I would actually recommend. But then Grand Hotel will be number two and Five Star Final will be one. Yeah, the Grand Hotel for me is the number one. I just, yeah, everything about that so. movie worked perfectly I think the me. big recommend does end up being Grand Hotel this, uh, this yeah, month. Yeah, I think Five Star Final is a bit more specific, whereas Grand Hotel is yeah. just, if you like movies, you'll like Grand Hotel. Especially if you like ensemble costs. Yes, this and it's a, it's a it cannot be said enough a fucking all star cast as well. Yeah, yeah. If you if you ever if you were ever like I want to watch one movie just to have covered like all the stars of this era, then this is a good one. This is the one because yeah, it has up. many of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is it, this is for for this episode. My if you were to watch only one movie out of all of these, mm. make it Grand Hotel. Yeah, I think I would agree on that. Even though I like Five Star Final more, I, it's it's much less accessible. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, if you're into those themes, then definitely check it out. But I generally, I would probably recommend Grand Hotel. Yeah, and anything in my top three, honestly, I, like, I'd recommend. Mm, they're, they're, yeah. they're all real good, but Grand Hotel's just a league above. Yeah. But yeah, that concludes this extra long little episode. Extra we little, we extra haven't discussed the actual thing. winner, dude. Oh, fuck, fuck. <laughs> I don't even know which one it is. I was just going to move on and just move on with my life. Who do you think I even... won? I have no idea who won, actually. I understand that you like three of these movies really much, but this you have to pick one. Matters, you can't just opinion. go, you know no, what? We I've made my opinion. This is and it. No. I, yeah. We can't just whole, do that. The whole point of this fucking podcast. <laughs> just, no. Nah. Um, should, should I guess? You can have a little guess. Uh, I'll, I'll give you really quickly. Um, the movies that received multiple nominations uh, were uh, three nominations for Bad Girl, Shanghai Express, and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and four nominations for Aerosmith and The Champ. Okay. Well, then it can't be Aerosmith Aerosh uh, or The Champ. No, that makes sense as well because they were at the bottom of our lists. Yeah, true, true. Oh, we're, we have such good taste. We have um, amazing taste. Uh, okay, okay. So then, let's see. Um, wait, then it can be those others either. Because it Jekyll and Hyde have more. So it's also not Bad Girl and I don't know what the other one was that you mentioned. China Express, okay. I think it's probably one of the musicals because they they like musicals a lot during this time. Um, they were really into musicals, yeah. Or Grand Hotel, because that has a lot of stars and it was also a good movie. I don't think it's Five Star Final, it was too specific. Um... Ooh, it's either Grand Hotel or one of the musicals, but at least three options. I'm going to have to press you for a choice. Yeah, I think, you know what, we already had a musical with the Broadway melody, so I'm going to say they went with something different now and they went Grand Hotel. You're thinking Grand Hotel? Yeah. Uh, well, the Oscar goes to... Yeah, it's Grand Hotel. It's yes! Grand Hotel. Yes! 
let's go i'm let's so go. fucking happy. they're very yeah, fucking deserved nice deserved like, deserved yeah. yeah yeah very big fucking fan yeah for i agree i agree we we consent <laughs> i don't think that the oscars need need our consent but we do anyway yep Yep. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah, some very small fun facts. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, Wallace Beery um, was in this movie. Mm-hmm. He is the only performer to date to appear in a Best Picture winning film and then win an a- acting Oscar for a different Best Picture nominee in the same year. Right. Oh, that's it. Because his best acting was for The Champ. Um, of course. Yeah. I-, I would say he was better in The Champ than he was in Grand. I-, I would agree as well. Yeah. That was um, really interesting. <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, yeah, last year I went to date in which no film won more than two Oscars. Uh, the films that won two Oscars were uh, Bad Girl. Bad Girl won um, both for Best Adaptation and for uh, Best Director. Okay. And The Champ won for, obviously, Best Actor and for Best Original Story. The Champ was, a, was an original one. Okay. Um, yeah. other, other movies that won things. Shanghai Express won Best Cinematography, with the other nominees being Aerosmith and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which... Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I understand. Uh, best art direction went to Transatlantic, but Aerosmith was uh, was nominated for it. Mm-hmm. We actually saw none of the best actress nominees. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, but we did see both of the best actor nominees. So okay, yeah, that's fair. There, there was only two, uh, no, there was there was three. only two. There was three, okay, there was and three. then there was three best actress nominees. It was a very small okay. group, mm-hmm. uh, and we did watch all the best director movies because it was Shanghai Express, The Champ, and Bad Girl and Bad Girl. Director. Okay, fair. So yeah, that's the whole thing. Uh, Grand Hotel is uh, the first of five films to date to win Best Picture without any Best Director nomination. Damn. Yeah, we're gonna get four more of those, uh, and okay. one of them, in fact, two of them were very recent. Oh. Three of them. We're very recent. <laughs> okay, well, we're very curious when we get there in uh, how many years? <laughs> oh, in so many months. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, I guess that really does end. end yeah, now we're, now, we're done. now we're done. Um, you can call it now. Yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed it. It has been a little bit of a long one, but um, hopefully, you know, you enjoyed it anyway. Uh, I, I had a great time. Almost doing my stream outro here. Um, <laughs> if you want to hit that like and subscribe button, yeah, it, 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 uh, they don't have uh, yeah. no neither of those. But you can quick click the quick little uh, follow button on uh, on our on our Spotify. Yeah, and we we also we made a Twitter and Instagram quite a while ago at this point. But a I Twitter. Never, sorry, what is that? What is Twitter? Oh, sorry, an X. We made an X. <laughs> um, yeah, we forgot to ever announce that on an actual episode. But here yeah. we go. We, we have, we have, we have so social media now. There's also want. YouTube, right? There's We have Reels. We, not yet, but I'll make one. By the time that this episode airs, we'll have one. Sick. You can If you want to watch a Reel that's just Benjamin Disraeli's hair for like a minute, uh, <laughs> we got you covered. You're, exactly. We're right there. <laughs> So yeah, as per usual, we uh, would like to thank our wives and the Academy. Obviously. And we will see you all next year at the 6th Academy Awards, man. Like, we've been doing man. this for half a year. Yes, oh my god! Crazy. Yes. Let's go, let's go. So yeah, we will see you in 1934. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wait, 34? <coughs> yeah, like the Academy Awards were held in 1934. But these were 1932, right? Yeah, I know. Oh my god. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, Okay, bye for real now. Bye.
Thank you for listening to episode 5 of I'd Like to Thank My Wife. New episodes are out every last day of the month. If you're looking for something to watch this month, E recommends Toka, a slow but beautiful Japanese arthouse movie that covers some serious topics but not without some good dry humour. Tijo recommends the 1996 Doctor Who movie. It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? We hope you enjoyed this episode of our show, and we'll see you next month.